64-bit legend. Welcome. Legend of the game, like GoldenEye, I'm more than right. Yeah. The perfect dart is dreams that seem to come to life. 64-bit, the shit, it's as real as it yeah. gets. We can yeah. talk sports, games, and music, take your pick. Take your pick. With the news, pull up and crack a brew. Crack. Smoke one with the crew, Smoke. tune in and take a view. Watch. Here to raise the bar from the lowest yeah. mark. Sit your ass down and listen. It's time for the show to start. Welcome to another episode of 64-Bit Legends. Yes, we're I'm back. Bobby Caboose, as always with Melvin Troy. Yep. And just like fucking great trilogies of the past, you know, Back to the Future, mm-hmm. Jurassic Park. Yes. Um, what are some other ones? Batman. Fucking Batman. The Fridays. Yes. You know, it's got to come to an end. So yeah. this is part three. Yes, part three. Shitty jobs. Yep. Shitty, shitty jobs. Now, I believe we left off, uh, for the most part, last time we were talking about um, during our college days and, and maybe just thereafter. Work. Well, no, mostly during the college yeah. days. And, uh, yeah, my time uh, that I spent at the... Uh, the Budweiser distributor, and yours was, uh, you know, at the nursing home. Mm-hmm. And for me, I mean, overall, I was ju- just to kind of like, um, like I know that you went through a number of job changes a lot more than I did, yeah. but I was at that Budweiser distributor for almost five years. Right. And what ended up happening, because um, right now, now we're, now we're talking about when we started to become real adults. Yeah. And I ended up going to college. Um, I got laid off from from the Budweiser distributor, worked at the hospital. Oh, I talked about yep. that. That's right. And then I got, I think I talked about how I got fired from there for unjust reasons. I had to go to court yep. and it was a whole fucking mess. And then I took on internships because that's what I needed. Mm-hmm. Now, Get some experience. Yeah. So that's one of the things I want to cover. But I do want to also preface though, during that time I was in doing internships, like the first like six months I was just doing internships, but then I went back to the Budweiser distributor for another year yep. while I was doing because I need to make money. Right. You know, I can only ride out on unemployment for so long. And so, you know, most internships, at least back in the day, were unpaid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All of mine were unpaid. So it was very difficult to find a paid internship at the time. Yeah. I think it's a little different now, but. Yeah. Well, especially in the inter- entertainment business, which Correct. I chose to go right. into. And that that is always unpaid. Um, and. Uh, so yeah, as far as that goes, I mean, I I remember I was uh, I was still in college. Obviously, I got fired from working at the hospital, and I needed to fill time. And I filed for unemployment, which no. I was getting. Uh, I think we talked about though that I they, they tried to take it away. I had to right. go to court, and I'm like, it's funny because actually I think we were on unemployment at the same time because yeah. or around the same time because I had gotten fired from the nursing home. Yeah, I was still living at home and I was on unemployment for almost a year and I actually ended up going back to college mm-hmm. to get my bachelor's degree in IT. And I wanted to touch. I actually wanted to touch on um, going to a or not only just a tech school but being mm-hmm. in a tech program uh, sure. for a minute because it's very unique. Yeah, um, especially with people with personalities like you and I. Um, because most of the people in those programs are like hermit crabs, dude. Like yeah. they haven't seen the out. Like they, <laughs> I feel like they're allergic to the sun because my first day in this program, and this was, you know, still when I was working at the nursing home, and my first day at the program, you know, I, I come in and sit down, 
And it's kids that I would probably never talk to in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, a bunch of just fucking nerds, computer nerds and stuff, and um, which is expected. I mean, they're going into a computer field. But, th- I mean, these kids were talking about how long, like, of stretches that they've played video games for. Hmm. And that was the topic of conversation. My first day, you know, I'm there 15 minutes early for class. We're sitting in the classroom. Yeah. And these kids are like, you know, one kid's like, oh, I, you know, I played, uh, you know, fucking World, World of Warcraft for yeah. 10 hours straight. And they're like, oh, I got that beat. <laughs> I played League of Legends for fucking 12 hours straight. And then one kid was like, oh, I got you all beat. You know, I played, you know, the original World of Warcraft for 30 hours straight. And I'm like thinking like, you know, I'm thinking South Park episode when yeah. like he's like, you know, my bathroom and shitting in a bucket <laughs> and stuff. And like I'm sitting over there. I'm like, well, you know, I've I played Madden for like six hours one time. <laughs> but then I went outside or then, I, yeah. you know, then, then I then a girl called and I left. You know, <laughs> have you ever talked to a girl? I'm not really sure. But the only the only really positive. Well, because I'm not in that field anymore. I'm not going to say the only positive because I do have a a bachelor's degree in, in computer security. Mm-hmm. But the only positive was, you know, meeting Trey. And yeah. Trey was the only other fucking dude that, like, was, like, normal. Like, me and him were like, dude, we are so out of place mm-hmm. because we're more social and we can communicate. And it doesn't, you know, take much effort for us to make friends. And you can tell that these people that were in our classes were, you know, people that probably didn't have many friends in high school. Probably a lot of them, you know, not to stereotype one particular type of person, but probably a lot of people in the band because, you know, they usually stay together (laughs) and don't really venture out. And then it was funny because that first day, like I said, these kids are playing or or talking about their stretches of video games. The very first day I'm sitting there and I'm like, dude, like, how am I going to make four years out of this? You know, (laughs) and this fucking hot ass chick walks in. And I'm like, what the fuck is she doing here? <laughs> well, she wasn't really going in for tech. She was going in for um, graphic design. Mm-hmm. So it kind of made a little bit more sense. And right. we just happened to have you know, a couple classes at the beginning of our program that were kind of general study classes. Because you still get your math and your English and all that. Right, but right. this particular class was just a kind of an intro to PC class. Mm, right. So... Um, but I just wanted to touch on that real quick because we are shifting from jobs to careers because that's what grown-ups do. Yeah. So, and it's all about making that transition. And and one thing I've I've learned about talking about college for a minute, like during my time in college, like the the most important part of my college time is this period of time when I was out of work and I and I realized that I need to network. Yeah. Like, I graduated, I have a bachelor's degree in communications, and I graduated with, like, a 2.5. Not because I was terrible all throughout. It was just toward the end. I just didn't give a shit. Right. I just, I, all I knew is I, I had a career path already kind of etched out, and I just needed to get the degree in my hand. And the, I didn't give a fuck how the, I got and it. And the thing is, too, is about the communication degree. I wanted yeah. to t- touch on that real quick because back, you know, even maybe back then, you know, and, and it's no offense to you or anyone mm-hmm. that has been in a communications program, but that was almost looked down on. Yeah, like, it was like yep. a lot of athletes, you know, claim or you know, if you're going to the NFL, they're like, oh, I, I major in communications. But nowadays, with technology and all this shit, and these kids are like so shy and don't get out and meet other kids mm-hmm. like face to face. 
people don't want to communicate anymore. And that's now like a very, I think that's very like a, a praised upon degree instead of you know looking down on it yeah if you take the right classes now obviously i focused on a uh like a lot of media classes like uh radio in particular Mm -hmm. um you know some some television production and things like that but then once i got all that done i still had other requirements i had to hit yeah uh, especially in the communications field and i took like classes like communication theory um that broke down different theories on you know basically it would be like in these situations, this type of communication happens, and you can predict these outcomes. Right. It's a lot of it's a lot of stuff you're going to learn in sales training. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff that you're going to learn if you take those like. I remember this was during the time when like the pickup artist thing yeah. was like was like the at TV, its the VH1. Yeah, it was like at its peak. Um, I you know because one of our classes we was suggested we read the uh, the book called The Game mm-hmm. uh, that followed around that guy Mystery that had yeah. that show on VH1, and it really. Because the because what they're doing, um, to an extent, are the same things we're talking about in this in these theories class, or or it was a class on like how to um, you know proper communication in like groups and how to manage groups. Right. You learn a lot of how to give interpersonal skills in work settings and things. And this it's actually I to this to this day I'm always using that. Yeah. Um. And uh, so it is it is pretty important, but you can also bullshit your way through right. one of those. And have no skill whatsoever in talking to people and just take a bunch of fucking philosophy and everything. See, there's a there's a movie called Blue Chips. I'm not sure if you've ever seen... Uh, is this with it, Martin Lawrence? No, it, that's oh. Blue Streak. Oh, whoops. Blue Chips is with <laughs> um, Penny Hardaway, Shaq, okay. uh, McNulty, I think, is the... Oh, from The Wire? Yeah. From The Wire? McNulty? No, 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 no. Oh. Um, the actor. What's his name? I might have butchered his name. Um Ooh. A McConaughey? No. Um, is it a? It Nolte. A, Isn't his last name Nolte? Oh, Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte. Oh, Did yeah, I say I, Mick. Nick. Whatever. I thought you said McNulty, as in like from no, the wire. No, 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 the no, guy no, from no the man. Wire. I'm not. I'm not Daniels right now. I'm like <laughs> McNulty. But no, no, no. Um, he. I, I believe he's the coach that's in it. But okay. anyway, uh, Penny Hardaway's character is it Penny Hardaway or one of the other kids? I don't know. Anyway, he's in a communications course mm-hmm. and he's failing TV mm. and the coach is like, how do you fail TV? Like, yeah. what the fuck is TV? <laughs> like, and that's like a class. That's where I was getting at it as far as the communications degree, you know, kind of was looked down on. And th- that movie came out in like 94. Right, right. So you can, you know, that's kind of the times. And, um, a lot of these athletes are, are planning on going t- to the next level of their sport. So they don't really have to focus in school. Right. So they, a lot of them don't even declare majors. But if right. you have to, that's you know that was a, always like a fallback or like management, business yeah. management. I think communications is better than, in my experience, is better than a management degree because in order to manage someone, you need to know how to talk to them. Right. You know, you, you just because you're a manager doesn't mean shit. Yeah. It doesn't mean people are just going to respect you because of the title. What did you do to earn that? And in order to earn respect, you have to be able to communicate properly. So that's something I had learned. And to be honest, learning that helped me network with other people. Well, that uh, on top of that, and it's you also have to relate to people. Like if if you're not relatable and you you can't if you're not relatable and approachable, you're not going to be a very good manager because you know people aren't going to be able to come to you with their problems. You almost have to be like a psychiatrist for your employees, Mm -hmm. and then you know. Kind of cater, cater and baby them, yep. but then at the same time keep them reliable and you know kind of 
have some guidelines and be a little bit more strict because you know they are they they reflect on your work you yeah, know like yeah. or you're a reflection of their work yeah so and here's here's a great example of that so um i had had gone through and i took like some radio production and tv production classes and uh, a few other radio centric uh courses media just some general media courses and um and I had there was a guy in my class who had a job. He was I think he was just a board op at a CBS station, mm-hmm. and uh, he because he came in with a project. We would do projects and we'd edit them ourselves with like whatever trial versions of, that we had on our own computers, or you can use a studio at the school. But he obviously working at a radio station came in with like super professional shit, so it blew everybody away. Well. I needed an internship since I, I knew at that time I was like I'm out of work I got to make the best of this right I need internships anyway so this will be perfect timing how do I get a radio internship and I was like that guy works at one so I'm gonna be his best friend mm-hmm. I'm personally gonna fucking try to like I I basically took it upon myself as if I, if he was a girl I'd try to date him right and I was like I'm gonna be his friend and I'm gonna fucking hang out with him and I'm gonna learn everything I need to know and just network yeah. and that's what I did and I ended up. Um, talking to him, but I was like, "Hey, man, do you know anything about getting an internship or, or anything like that?" He's like, "Well, I actually uh, work. I was an intern for this guy, and now I kind of uh, work as a producer role for his show in the evenings." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "We're always needing interns," and I'm like, "Fucking awesome! Let's fucking do this!" So, so he's like, "All right, we'll come down uh, to the studio uh, at this day and time, um, and uh, we'll see what we can do." So it's. Now, here, here's the thing. It was a country station. Right. I fucking hate country music. So do I. Man. I have so no I. interest Preach. in it. I have no idea who these people are. It all sounds the same to me. Like, if it was like a, uh, even if it was an oldie station, I would be like, okay, I can kind of understand, you know, maybe some shit right. from the 70s or whatever. You know, maybe the Rolling, I, I can tell you about the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin and all that. No, country is completely out of my world. The, the worst possible, it, other than a Christian channel, that would have been the worst thing for me to do. So real, real quick, yeah. real quick country story, because I don't know how much country is going to pop up on this podcast. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in previous podcasts, you can tell that, you know, I listen to a lot of rap music, yeah. you know, or, you know, R&B, whatever. But so I was trying to impress a girl one time, right? Yeah. And um, she was really in the country. And I go... You know, I know some country lyrics, you know, mm-hmm. so because I had happened to hear a song on the radio. So I, 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 you know, said like two or three lines from this country song. And she looks at me and she goes, yeah, that's Darius Rucker. Darius <laughs> Rucker is the only black country or one of the only black country. And I had no idea who it was by. Mm-hmm. And she's like, of course, you know, since you listen to rap and all that, of course, you pick the one black country uh, singer. And, and I was like, well, I, you know, I didn't know. I just listened. I, I heard him on the radio, man. Like, fuck. Give me some credit. Yeah. See, I, I couldn't even tell the difference. I mean, I could tell the difference between new country and old country, but that's all I knew. If you told me Tim McGraw versus fucking Brooks and Dunn, I'd be like, I have no idea. Right. So to this day. So anyway, I know Randy Travis. Yeah. yeah. For some reason. Well, my mom used yeah. to love Randy Travis. That's the only reason I know his voice versus yeah. anyone else. Anyway, yeah. So proceed. So, uh, um, so I go down there, and um, there was—I forget what it was. They had a system involved of uh, sending notes back and forth because one of the things you got to do is it was a top seven at seven. They would talk about the top seven songs in the country music that day, um, and of course, it started at seven o'clock, which is at the top of the 
the show, the hour for the show to start and everything. And they would do giveaways. You know, you call in and you win this. And and uh, I learned some tricks of the trade uh, even that day of like, yeah, radio contests are bullshit. Like yeah. we we just try to find. Um, someone energetic, right? Someone that's energetic. Usually, girls are more energetic. But some, if you get a really hype guy, he's gonna sound good on the radio. That's all that matters. So you know, if you say like, "Oh, if you're the ninth caller," nobody's counting to the ninth caller. Right. If you're, you get the first person, they're fucking hype. They won. Doesn't yeah. matter. So, um, so <clears throat> we we had a we needed a way to communicate, and I just came up with this idea. Of, like, uh, Google Google had their Google Docs um, was was starting to to launch off, and you can share it. And since we're across this big studio, I came up with this idea. I was like, "Why don't we just share a Google Doc, and I can just type the name in, and I don't even have to pass you any paperwork right. or anything like that." And apparently, I fucking just by doing that, I blew the host away. He was like, "Oh my god, that's genius! You got to come work for us." And I'm like, "Okay, cool." <laughs> That's pretty good, pretty yeah. easy t- uh, test. Oh, dude, yeah. The first day, like, but the thing is, is I'm I was super like nervous, and right. I'm like, I, I don't know this business, and I I want to make a good impression, and you know, this guy's this guy from school is 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 vouching for me, and I want to do a good job. Well, they so. always, they always say there, you know, there's no such thing as a stupid question, but in reality, there no, are stupid there are questions, very stupid questions. So, yeah, very very stupid questions. So. Um, so I started doing that. It was like around, I think I was out of work for maybe two weeks and I already landed this. And, um, and it was like, I think it was like three to four days a week mm-hmm. I would go in and it would be like the show ran from seven to midnight, but I didn't need to be there the entire night. Right. Um, usually they let me go at like some nights it could be as early as 1030. Other nights would be like 1130. And, um, and I wasn't really able to, uh, there's some pluses and minuses to it. So. The pluses was I was able to really figure out like what I like to do, yeah, um, and what and and also what I didn't like about the business. One of the biggest things I didn't like about the business is the fact that it, it, for most of these stations at this point in time, this is twenty eleven, I want to say, um, yeah, mostly twenty eleven, twenty twelve ish. Um, so at that point in time, talk radio as a whole, or like having talking uh, in between songs was really cut down to a minimum. Yeah. There was a lot of, uh, they were very strict on what you could do. And uh, it, basically, if you ha- if you took in a caller, like there'd be topics of like, you know, hey, what's the one thing that men do that women don't do type of thing? Right. And people would call in and then basically you get a good uh, response out of it and you get to play that little chunk. Well, yeah. when you're taking that call, it's not live. It's not a live call. You're recording it. Right. And then you cut it down a little bit um, because they don't want to take the risk of you swearing or something. Right. Uh, too much of a liability. And then you play it. Or you take a bunch of them, and if they are if they suck, you don't play any of them until you get a good one type of thing. And I just didn't like there was and, – and, and there wasn't any creativity to it. The guy I worked for – I won't say his name, but the guy I worked for, um, he he would just go to a prep service, and he would literally print out like – a hundred pages of these topics from this prep service and would just highlight ones he liked and throw the other ones on the ground. And so, part of so my he, job... So he wouldn't come up with any of his own? No, no. And part of what my job was to pick up the shit that he threw on the ground. Because I think that would be one of the funnest parts of the job is coming up with your own topics like we do here. Yeah. yeah. Like we t- come up with this show. Well, so I think every once in a while he would, but for the most part, he didn't He didn't need to. He Just a prep service, I was like, I'll just find the... I mean, it was a job. Yeah. It was a job to him. He, he didn't give a shit enough. 
Um, and I just didn't like that. And I didn't like that they were really strict on. And, and the other thing is, is you didn't. The part of the reason why he didn't come up with his own is because you got to be careful. Right. You don't want to say something that could that could cause too much of a stir because all of a sudden, you know, it's not even about someone complaining. It's not even about the FCC. If the program director doesn't like what you're saying, mm-hmm. that's a problem. Yeah. That's a big problem. So um, it's just basically this manager that you just kind of, you're like, well, this prep service, they pay for this prep service, so I'll just use it, and I know everything in there is safe. And I just, I just didn't like that. Um, we were working there was another person uh, on more of a, uh, I think it was more of like an R&B or hip-hop channel and the same CBS. Was CBS was the uh, company I was was, was with. Um, and that host all of a sudden decided just to go live. He had a morning show, granted, mm-hmm. so that you get a little bit more talk time. But even the morning shows in these music stations, they don't get a lot of talk time. Right. You're maybe getting, you know... You may be getting an hour out of four or five hours. Yeah, of the between time. between the music, the commercials. Yeah, and that's that's it. So what he did though is he went on and he just open mic'd everybody in his, and then we they, he just pulled like a like he was gonna do a little mini Howard Stern session and just talk, and they fired his ass. He didn't say anything uh, crazy. He didn't say anything offensive. No one complained, but because he interrupted those paid spots. And because certain music has to play yeah. at certain times, certain commercials got to play at certain times, because he fucked that up, they fired his ass. So when I heard that, I was like, fuck, man, there's no creativity left in this. So I was like, what's the one area that I could be creative in? And it was in the production side. Right. So I was like, all right, I'm going to embed myself in this because everybody needs production. Mm-hmm. So I started editing down, you know, sweepers for the show uh, and interview clips and things like that. And I would spend all, most of my time in there. Um, but also, you know, just being a general bitch in the yeah. studio. Now, here's the... So that was the plus side. I figured that part out, and I really enjoyed the production uh, side of things. The downside of it was you, in this business, you eat a lot of shit. Right. You eat a ton of shit. Well, you're dealing with a lot of egos. Yes. You're... Like you said, you just you're you're basically their bitch. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure you're fetching whatever they need whenever yep. they need it. Yep. You know, and you're pretty much at their beck and call while their show is going on because they can't really leave. Right, right. And so here's here's a great story on that one. So we would do every Thursday there would be a live performance in studio. Okay. Um so what would happen is there would be the obvious the obvious blocks of music and, and, and commercials and whatnot. And there'd be the certain talk spots, but a lot of this, a lot of times we, we we would also fill up the studio with listeners mm-hmm. every Thursday, I believe it was, and we'd fill up the it's studio. Like TRL, kind of, yeah. Fill up the studio with listeners. We'd get some country artists that would come in, and uh, they would perform uh, in studio. We would broad- broadcast it online uh, as well through the website. Now, are these like known country people, or are they some like local? Some of them, they're they're, they're local. They're they're they they got got some of a buzz. They're not head, major headliners, right. but there'd be like a guy that was touring with like, like Kid gonna, Rock and uh, you know Uncle Cracker. We get a guy that was you know opening up for this artist or you know Bill McAllister's wife like, would come in. Yeah, you like know. you're not gonna get like the Dixie Chicks or like someone. No, like huge. no, no, no. This was just a little bit lower, like B C tier okay. people. And again, I didn't know who any of these people were for the right. most part, because um, I don't listen to country. 
So, um, so yeah, they would be in, and 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 we would we would have this big event, and they would play songs, uh, in, you know, for the for the crowd, if the crowd that was in there. It wouldn't go broadcast. Yeah, we would select clips out of it to then broadcast later. Because again, we never went live right. on air for the most part. You never really, unless there was like a live read of of a commercial or something. But never with that many people in the studio was it trusted to just right. open the mics. Yeah, because anything live. happen. Exactly. So, um, so one of the things those days were crazy. I would ha- handle because everyone had to sign release forms mm-hmm. that if you're going to walk in, there's a good chance you're going to be on camera and you're going to be on air. Then the other thing I would do is I'd pull people into studios to be like, hey, you know, everyone would yell, listen to this station, yeah. and blah 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 blah, you know, that type of thing you'd hear. And I'd edit that down. And then when I'm, I'm taking a shit, I listen to good old country yeah. on 103.7. <laughs> yeah. So so then one one day early on, I was told, it's like, hey, we need pictures for social media and the website. So just take this camera and take some pictures while there's a performance, get some pictures of the crowd, yada, yada, yada. Now, I'm an audio guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about cameras. I'm like, but I guess I could take a couple pictures. So I take maybe 15, 20 pictures, just kind of just shooting yeah. around, kind of getting a vibe of the place. And then I stop, and I was like, I forget what I was doing. I was standing there waiting for somebody. I think I needed to get some release forms back. And then uh, the producer comes to me. He's like, what are you doing? Why aren't you taking pictures? I was like, I already did. I took like 20 of them. He's like, you need to keep taking pictures. I was like, okay, I'll take pictures. I'll, I, so I was like, if you're not going to give me anything else to do other than do pictures, I'll just t- fucking take pictures. Right. So I filled up this entire memory card full of pictures. There was like a hundred some fucking pictures I fucking took. <laughs> now then, so then after that, the show ends. I'm in the production studio doing working on some stuff afterwards, and um, then I get called into the studio because the, the host was there going through all the pictures, and he's like, he's like, come here. He's like, look at this. These are all these pictures are bullshit. This is bullshit. These are bullshit <laughs> pictures. They look awful. I can't use any of them. Like you're telling me out of a hundred some. He's like, these are awful. What I mean, what are you, what are you, what are you thinking? Why I was like, well, what about that one? That guy got the guy there, and, it, and they weren't like it wasn't. They weren't bad pictures, as if like you know, I took a picture of a super close up of his face right. with like the mic in it. And a, no, I kind of framed it to get a scene, and like, yeah. I had I know basics, right? But you know, I guess he just didn't like it. So I was like, hey, man, I'm fucking, maybe I'm not the guy for the pictures. Right. Maybe that's the thing. Yeah, it's not like you're taking blurry pictures or your thumbs over the fucking <laughs> yeah. thing or something. It was a DSLR. I was able to frame everything. I got a little bit. It had a nice flash on it, all that good shit. And, um, you know, because I remember even that night, he's like, you need to get closer. He's like, you need to get closer to the, they're performers. They love it. They'll, don't be afraid to get close. To, they'll, they'll perform to the camera. I'm like, oh, I, all right. So I did. I got some close-ups. I got crawled underneath the desk. I kind of fucking, you know, wiggled through and got some interesting shots, like, you know, where I was able to make sure the mic wasn't in his face. Right. And, you know, again, tried to do the best I could. He didn't like it, I guess. And uh, so I was like, well, I guess that's the end of me taking pictures. <laughs> Wrong. Next week. I'm like, he's like, we need you to take 300 more pictures like the ones you took last week. <laughs> no, well, not even. I wish he would have even done that. It would have made more sense. Where he was just maybe mad. He was just, I was doing something and he's like, why don't you take pictures? I was like, we just went through this. You were mad last time. Why would you trust me with the pictures? He's like, no, you need, I had to fill up another memory card. Going through the same thing. I'm like, why are you having me do this if you don't think I'm good at it? Right. You like the other stuff I'm doing with the audio. You don't complain about that. 
So why don't I just do that? Yeah. Why are you why are you hounding? Why don't you get your producer who is over here as your little fucking minion that's bitching at me too? And and they just it, it was like a tone of voice. I found some I told you I found some audio clips of uh of an old like we would fuck around sometimes after the show and do like little podcasts yeah. and maybe put on the website. Right. You know, he basically wanted he wanted to be like a, the host wanted to be a kind of a, like a do a Howard Stern esque like yeah. open it up, talk to the staff, toss some topics around for 15, 20 minutes, mm-hmm. and then maybe put it on the website or social media. And I found those and I was chiming in on something. Now, granted, this is years ago, and I was still like not very confident, and I wasn't bad. Yeah. But I'd chime in on something, and the way they would talk to me, when I was like, I was like, "Why are you talking?" I mean, it was just so. Okay, so so here's an g- example. So this one guy that was that was in studio, he was just a listener that was hanging out that mm-hmm. they that they knew. Yeah. Um, and he was talking about something about like his friend texted some girl that he had broken up with or, and I didn't catch on and I had said something about like, well, maybe he was just checking up on, I was just playing devil's advocate. Right. I was like, well, maybe he was, maybe he's not trying to, trying to fuck her behind your back. Maybe he was just checking in on her, see how she was doing. And, uh, cause maybe he didn't know, you know, to the extent that you guys broke up or whatever the story right. was. And I missed some piece, and he was like, "No, he, I, I already said that, you know, he, he had done that." I was like, "Oh, I missed that part." And then the producer was like, "What are you fucking deaf?" Well, he didn't say fucking. He was like, "What are you deaf? What? How did you not hear that?" I'm like, and I listened. I was like, "Why are you coming at me?" Now back then, I just took it because I right. thought that's what you had to do was you, you just ate shit. Yeah. You're at the bottom of the totem pole. You just eat shit. And I listen back to it now, and I'm like, "Never again." I, I, I said back then, "Never again." Now. Let's, let me back up, too. So I had another internship going on at the same time. Right. And these are all going to tie together at, at the end here. So I was online by in November of that year. So I got the radio internship in October. In November, I was online, and I seen uh, that the Insane Clown Posse were looking for interns. Mm-hmm. And they're in Michigan, like myself. And I was like, that's interesting. I was like, well, I got nothing else going on. I feel pretty confident. I just landed this yeah. radio internship. I'm like, I'd be curious to see what ends up happening if I. I just emailed the resume and I was like, ah, I'll probably never hear back. I have no music Especially, background. Well, they see CBS, man. If you had CBS on there. Um, true. Well, I just started, so I didn't right. put it on there. Though, oh, okay. Because I didn't know it was in this like period of like I don't. It wasn't like official. I wasn't like officially on the books. Because the semester had already started. Okay. So the semester, I, I, I interned for a couple months under the table. Mm-hmm. And then the official internship didn't start until like December. Okay. Because so. I was going to say, man, you have that on a resume and you go for another, because CBS is huge in radio. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. if you go to another, you know, whether it's radio or whatever internship, I mean, they see that. It's like, yeah. you know, there's certain companies that, out there that. You know, if you have that on your resume, it's almost a lock that you have anything else. Well, no, but they were. I mean, the the nice thing again, I they they I'll I'll say I'll say the word abused, but I don't really mean it as as badly as. But I took some abuse during that. But at, at the same time, they were cool enough to be like, "Well, we'll teach you something here. We can't. Obviously, the semester already started, so just come out, come and hang out. Don't tell anybody because for legal reasons. No, is this CBS? This is CBS. Okay. I'm still talking about CBS. Was like the host was like, just don't say anything to anybody because CBS will will can you, yeah. and, and you'll never be able to work with them. 
but we would like to have you here and we can kind of teach you some stuff, mm-hmm. do some hands-on stuff, which again, that's a good plus side. But it was like in exchange for being on the plus side, it almost gave him carte blanche to treat me like a piece of shit right. at the same it's time. It's like you owe him something. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but so anyway, I send this resume into the Insane Clown Posse uh, a- a email address, and uh, I didn't think I would hear anything. And then all of a sudden, I get a call, and they're like, yeah, this is so-and-so from Psychopathic Records. Uh, we got your resume, and we'd like to have you come in uh, for an interview for this internship. I was like, oh, interesting. So I go in that day, and it was in the morning. It was like 10 a.m. I go all d- down to their office. And there was like 20 people, 20, mm-hmm. 20 other kids. Now, most of them are juggalos. Yeah. Big, hardcore fans. If you're not familiar with the Insane Clown Posse, Insane Clown Posse their fans are called juggalos. They're like super hardcore fans. They're um, like diehards. Super diehards. And most of these kids were that. And super marks. Yes, super marks. And uh, so we, we go in there to give us a tour of the whole place. And then they kind of partition us off into our skill sets. They had a video, they had, back then they had a video department. Um, they had some other marketing stuff and then they had, they put me into a, a, a like a sales, like a merchandise cause they had their own merchandise yeah. empire basically. Uh, hatchet man. Time. Yeah. With the hatchet man, the hatchet gear, uh, website. So, um, and then uh, my project was we filled out some paperwork and talked a little bit. It really wasn't an interview. Um, and then we just get, were given a project. And I was like, oh, maybe they're just giving us a project. Like that show, uh, The fucking The Apprentice yeah. that Donald Trump used to have. Um, you they, know, They have elimination ceremonies. Yeah, and like I figured, I was like, okay, so you're probably going to judge us on how we can come up with something. And mm-hmm. those that come up with an idea, um, I was giving them, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I gave them way too much credit on this. They weren't thinking that far <laughs> ahead. Uh, that's going to be a theme uh, <laughs> when talking about working there. But um, so... So uh, I got put in this. The project was we was like five of us, and they're like, "Hey, so we got um, we have these deals with like Hot Topic, Spencer's, and these other retailers, and we need to get additional merchandise out there because they seen my Budweiser experience because mm-hmm. that's where I worked before this, before CBS, and um, and so that's what they figured that they plugged me into, and I was like, "Yeah, that's kind of cool," and I came up with some stuff, and I. Uh, wrote out some uh, some action plan th- items and stuff like that, and uh, I could tell automatically though everybody that I was in there with were just super fans, and they were there they were mostly there for the novelty, right? And they weren't really treating it like a big job, and they were. I mean, the first thing there was a number of them that'd be like, "Well, I, you know, when do we get paid?" And they were like, and I was like, "I know I'm not going to get paid," right? But then they had to break it to them, and it, we got a little awkward sometimes. So, um. After that day, I had to actually leave early. I had to go. I had to go to class. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Listen, I gotta leave." But when do I need to come back? They're like, "Come back tomorrow, uh, ten ten thirty in the morning, um, and we'll pick up where we left off." So I come in. So I go home. Um, I, run, I meet. I meet uh, one of the guys from ICP before I leave, and yada yada yada. And I go to school. I come back the next morning, and I was like, "Hey, what am I? What am I working on now?" We went from oh, automatically after the first day. We went from like twenty people down to like fifteen. So, you, so you got a rose after the first night on the back. Yeah, yeah, basically. You got a rose. Well, it wasn't even that people got were told not to come back. People just didn't come right. back. They, okay. The, the novelty okay. was over. Is what? Gotcha. Yeah, the novelty had worn out for at least five people, and they just didn't show so back. So you got up. a flavor. You got a flavor of love clock. Yeah, basically. Oops. <laughs> basically, I was, I was putting the clock over your. 
you know, over your neck and I hit the mic. My bad. <laughs> so, um, that'd been sweet if they gave you a guy's nicknames too. Yeah. Like yeah. that shit. That'd be awesome. <laughs> so, um, um, so, so I come back the next morning and I'm like, what am I supposed to be working on? And they're like, oh yeah, we got to, I know you got those action plan things. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. I was like, by the way, I got another internship though. I got to leave, um, early because I got a schedule and basically they were just like come in Monday through Friday. Right. Like, all right. So I was like, I had nothing else to do. So I was like, fuck it. Well, I was like, listen, these days I have another internship. They're like, well, where? And I was like, well, I have CBS. We got a, you know, I'm at this radio station. And they're like, oh, you have a radio? You, you have a background in radio? I'm like, well, yeah, that's yeah. what my degree's in and, and so on. And and they're like, oh, well, funny enough, we, um, I guess ICP was on like, I think it was like Tom Green or Adam Carolla's podcast back then. Again, this is in like 2011. So podcasts are pretty new. and Yeah, yeah. But one of them, they had a big enough name where they had their own video and mm-hmm. they were on that. And I knew that ICP had their own little kind of radio station, pirate radio station that they would do early versions of podcasts on now and again. And they were like, actually, we were trying to redo the studio to incorporate video for that. I'm like, well, I don't know why we're having you work on this merch stuff. Like, why don't we just put you on that? I was like, perfect. Yeah, let's fucking do that. So um, we had like a rollout date. This is in November, uh, late November, early December. We I, I started working on that. And the launch date was supposed to be like late January. Psychopathic Radio was the big banner. Yeah. Or Psychopath, maybe it was Psychopathic TV. I forget what it was. No, Psychopathic Radio was, was the banner. And, um, and, and basically we kind of, I met with the video department on some stuff. And I helped build this early rendition of a radio studio uh with video and everything ba- i modeled my my input now i didn't i didn't manage this whole project i'm yeah. not gonna take credit on that um but their their manager in the video department um kind of took on most of that but i i kind of was able to give input based off of what we do at cbs yeah now granted they don't have the same budget to buy a tricaster and all this right. other shit so we kind of had to like jankly put it together if that's a word but that's got to be pretty cool and exciting to get a project like that while you're still in school and being an in technically an intern yes yes i got super lucky i got two internships that let me give do hands-on work non-stop and not just be a coffee fetcher right like sometimes they would send me out on errands um both internships would do that where i'd gotta go hey um can you just go pick up lunch for everybody we'll pay for your lunch but everybody in the office is getting lunch yeah um, yeah, at least you're not like, oh, go to the copy machine and make a hundred copies of this. Yeah, go fax this. Like that shit would be fucking. Lame. Yeah, I would get that now and again, but um, now I'm kind of, dra- I'm over explaining some of this because I do want to kind of show the picture of, in this the the idea of this time in my life was, I knew I needed to eat shit. Mm-hmm. I ate a lot of shit, and I put in a lot of work. Um, basically what I would do since I didn't have a full-time job, I had school. Yeah. Um, but granted during this time, it was the end of the semester anyway. So I, you know, through January, basically through, uh, December and going into January, those two months, especially I would go into psychopathic records Monday through Friday. I would, then I also had my other internship at CBS. I think it was basically like. It was four days a week. I had one day off there, and then technically I'd have two days off, but like Friday I would still go in. It was optional, but I just did it anyway. Yeah. 
So I would be at Psychopathic Records, and I would make sure I was at CBS by 6.30 because the show started at 7. And I would show up at Psychopathic at 10 in the morning, and I wouldn't go home until after 11. That's some long days, man, putting in some work. No money. Yeah. Zero money. It was just work, and I would show up, and I made the the thing of with both internships, especially with Psychopathic, because that was a lot more... They had a, there was a lot more, I believed at the time, a lot more... Uh, uh, Hands-on experience, maybe? Yeah, yeah. A lot more learning things in just the business. Right. It got a lot more involved in the business. And I, my thing was, is I will keep showing up until I'm told not to. Right. There were days... So as far as the psychopathic internship, within the first two weeks, it went from 20 people down to three. <laughs> just people just stopped showing up because they were like, well, I can't afford this. I can't yeah. afford to keep coming here. And I was like, I will outperform all these people. And to this day, to this day, it's me and a, a buddy of mine, Nick, yep. to this day still has somewhat of a working relationship with that company in terms of broadcasting. Right. We managed that. We've built so many studios for them. <laughs> we uh, Probably five, four or five. I mean, shit, I was just on with uh, Shaggy 2 Dope and, and uh, Keegan the Creep uh, last night. Yeah. On Twitch. I, on Twitch. I, I chimed in, man. I'm yeah. never on Twitch, and I chimed in. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, to this day, we're talking almost nine, nine years later. Almost I a still full keep decade, showing man. up when I get a phone call. Sometimes I don't get calls for a couple months, but when I'm told, like, hey, we got something we need you to do, until I'm told not to show up. As well, that has been the the oath the, I took the to MO. Myself. Yeah. Um. So there's... As far as that goes, and then I eventually, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of fast forward because I know I've, I've been I've been harping on this a little bit, but <laughs> um, there's just so much to cover with right. all that because it was this was the part which took me out of being a student to like launching me into the mindset of having a career, right? And, and learning how the real world works. The world works on networking and hard work and dedication. Right. Showing up, showing up is half, half the battle. Yeah, I was about to say half the battle. Yeah. So show up, and then, and then you got to realize. So, so here's the thing: uh, the CBS internship. Um, I was with them all the way up until the following May. Um, Psychopathic died down because then I was just working on the radio stuff, and I would do that uh, for at once. It was only one time a week because they would do two broadcasts, right. Tuesdays and Thursdays. Well, I couldn't be there Thursdays because we had the live performances at CBS on Thursdays, and that took precedent. Yep. And, and at that point in time, in that springtime of 2012, um, from January to, to May, um, CBS was my official internship sponsor. I needed two internships to graduate, by the way. They were my official internship sponsor, so that took precedent. But I kept showing up every Tuesday, no matter what, for psychopathic uh, radio, and I made sure I was there. And I was competitive. Me and Nick were pretty competitive because there was a couple other interns that were floating around. Yeah. But we knew. We and he ended up getting hired on first as an employee before me, right? Because he had video editing skills, and I didn't. Um, and uh, and then eventually CBS died down by May, and I had eaten so much shit, and I was kind of like I said, I felt a little uh, salty because I felt a little little abused, not right. a, not a me too abused, but you know what I mean, like yeah. I was just sick of dealing with all of this ego bullshit. Well, at this point, you're. It seems like you're getting more work experience mm -hmm. that you can use in the future from ICP. Mm -hmm. You're not 
probably not eating as much shit, even though they may have bigger egos than the people that are at CBS. Yeah. And, you know, it, it just seems like you're like, all right, I'm actually making a difference with these people. This, they, you know, I'm a spoke on the wheel over here. Right. Like, fuck me, right? Like, I'm a fucking intern. Like, right. I mean, even though you are doing some stuff, you know, you're not just a coffee fetcher at CBS, but you're not, um, you may not have gotten as much hands-on as you would like okay for example like you're you, you, like you said you had to build some stuff from the ground up with ICP right. and that's a lot more that's better for your experience overall than just being like well this is how it's set up here right and this is how you operate that's all we we need you to push this button Mm-hmm. instead of, like, learning why you have to push that button and, and building right. why you have to, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Like, that would, one of the big things with CBS is, like, I learned is they have this big board. I'm sure you've seen the big radio board yeah. with all the faders. Those things nowadays run on their own. You don't even need to manually, you can do it in manual mode, mm-hmm. and the host and the other producer would flex sometimes, to be you know, and try to do it manually. Yeah. And they taught me how to do it manually Um fucking they taught me in a very stressful way that was unnecessary but anyway um they were just screaming at me the entire time i was doing it and then i fucked up and they were like oh you, get off there get off, you, we can't trust you with that and then this other guy who's working at the fucking oldie station was hanging out with us and he's like well you were yelling at him no wonder he <laughs> fucked it up like what did you think was gonna happen right. you're screaming at him so it was just shit like that and it wasn't like if it was a joke if they were doing it just to haze me as a joke, it'd be one thing, but but it wasn't. Right. It really, really, really wasn't. I have a pretty thick skin, um, but that was the type of shit. It was just really just like you're treating like a piece of shit on purpose. Yeah. And so, so the other thing is, is when they told me, so the host I was working for at CBS, he was in, the, he was seven to midnight. Well, he was up for another job at another CBS station to do mornings mm-hmm. at their pop station. Which is definitely more money in radio. Radio right. mornings is where you want to be. And he's like, listen, we'd like to have you come on. You, you wouldn't be a paid producer, but we can extend your internship if you'd like. But he's like, here's the here's the thing. We have to share the production studio with the AM station, uh, the news AM station. And he's like, they use that a lot more, obviously, because they're always doing the news. Yeah. So he's like, we can't have you hanging out in the production studio just working on stuff for us. So it's going to be more basically coffee fetching mm-hmm. and things like that. And like you said, at this point in time, I'm realizing like, well, wait a minute, a buddy of mine that I'm working with uh, at Psychopathic just got himself a full-time job by putting in the work and showing up. And he's making it to both shows every week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, where I was at the time, because of this internship at CBS, I can only make it to one. Right. I'm like, well, shit, I see there's more potential there. You're telling me I can't even get hired on at CBS and then I got to make a demo. Then maybe I got to got to move to another market, another state to do evening somewhere if I'm lucky, making minimum wage. Like, I don't know. So I was just like, you know what? Thanks, but but no thanks. I'll, right. I'll, I think I got something else going on. And I oh by the way, I couldn't tell. I the producer knew that I had this other internship, but the host I was never allowed to tell him. That's how insecure he was. If he knew that I had another internship, he would have fired me. So. Um, so I go with, with psychopathic there and I, I end up doing the two, two weeks and then they become my official second internship. Yeah. Now here's, here's an interesting thing. So there's p- p- paperwork that's got to be filled out like every week right. that I got to send back to the school. And so we were off site on another piece of property that psychopathic records owned at the time. 
and we built it. That's where the other studio was built up. And so the 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 office manager essentially or whatever you would call it like there was a girl that kind of just ran the office you know one of yeah, those types yeah, yeah. you know like, like a, a office administrator yeah yeah thing. that's the word I'm looking for office administrator so um so there was uh you know she was typically the one when I was in the office that would fill it all out well she's not there because I'm showing up now these podcast shows would go on from nine to I think it was nine to was it ten to two in the morning or something like that, nine to one in the morning, something like that. It would be two shows back to back every Thursday for right. four hours. So uh, there was this guy they put in charge to manage that project, and he was a fucking wrestler. <laughs> um, let me just say this. He, he, he didn't show up very often because he, he would call from the hospital and say that he fell down the stairs a lot. Uh, there was a guy, DJ Fillin, shout out to you, wherever the fuck you are, uh, who, he was the fucking man. He always said, I won't say the wrestler's name, but he's like this. He's like ex wrestler. He's like the one. This is his. What was it? The one match he could never win is this ex wrestler versus the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> he always. He could never beat him. And you know why they call him DJ Fillin? Because he fills in. Exactly. <laughs> he fills in, dude. DJ Fillin was the fucking man, um, and he he preempted uh, a lot of stuff that ended up coming to fruition uh working there that i won't i won't get into but uh yeah he's 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 a dope dude so anyway um with that um i end up doing that and then they then they start calling me to do some other work they needed help putting on the gathering of the juggalos right and they started paying me for that so um because i was always like what do you need i was always what do you need guy i would show up at the i would find any excuse to show up at the main office at any time I mean, not creepily. Like, I would always have a sense of business to be there. I wouldn't just show up randomly like, hey, I'm just hanging out. Um, But uh, um, what was I going to say? Oh, so so I ended up doing that enough where they were like, we need help putting on a gathering of jugglos. Like, they would always – it was a big festival, if you're not familiar, that Mm -hmm. they put on in the middle of the woods – and they always do it at the last minute. And Multiple they, night thing. Oh, yeah. It goes on for almost a week. Right. Like It's a big, big deal. A lot of preparing. And they're like, listen, we'll pay you X amount of dollars, which is, was pretty good. Um, and uh, show up and do for these days. You know, I gave them what days I was available. I was working at Budweiser again by this time. But yeah. with them, I was just working weekends right. and like two days during the week. So the other three days during the week, I was able to show up. For, for through this other project, and uh, and so I just did that. I helped. I got to put. I mean, that's something I get to put on my resume. I yeah. helped, and I got to work with this guy, um, uh, this guy George on that a little bit, who now manages the the group Twisted. Um, he was able to kind of school me on a few things and like just little things as far as like okay, so we got these riders. We got because he was booking artists. Yeah, and he's like, listen, we got we got to put together all these riders. And a rider, if you're not familiar in the in the entertainment business, is like to get like say DMX to show up. We need it could be anything from like we need a case of water there. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure there's X amount of towels. We got to make sure there's X, there's this type of liquor's got to be there. Blue M and M's, exactly. Whatever, any of that shit that they want, you got to make sure it's there. And I had to put together a big rider spreadsheet on you know of all that. I still have the document in my uh, in my Google account actually. Um, and it's shit like that. It was just a lot of, a lot of, but that was another time where I was working with this girl at the time who was there. She 
had a similar way of talking to me that, that, that the guys over at CBS would, would. They would just talk to me like I was a piece of shit. Yeah. But I ate it because I was like, well, this is what you got. You got to eat shit. Right. You got to eat shit. And I told myself, I'm going to keep showing up and I'm going to keep doing the work here until they tell me not to anymore. Well, as far as this, I mean, you're probably in your mid-20s. Yeah, I was like 25-ish. You're, something like you're that. working. Yeah. You're technically working in the music industry. You're yeah, wor- you're yeah. working with well-known people, yeah. uh, ICP, and you mentioned like DMX or whoever. Yeah, that year they had the game was booked, DMX was booked. They had, I think that was the year that wasn't the Charlie Sheen year. I think that was the year after that. So I mean, but yeah, they had a bunch of people in Plus general. Times. Like you know, most people in their mid twenties are either finishing college or have like some kind of office job or some bullshit job. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're actually out there doing shit like that's like pretty unique and pretty cool Mm -hmm. because you get to deal with these people you know even if they're assholes or whatever but like as like especially i mean i'm not calling you a mark or anything Mm -hmm. but like i know you were a fan of their music before and to be able to work with them and be like oh man like i mean i I bet a lot of people would give a lot to do that right you know and you're getting to do this and and being able to see that aspect of the industry and stuff and you know if it would have worked out differently you know it could have potentially you know launched you into that field which oh, you yeah. know that could have been pretty yeah. damn cool yeah you know? and, and i want to say i mean i know the title is like the concept is we're talking about shitty jobs but at this point in time the jobs weren't shitty per se they were just the shitty parts of the job right right the shitty parts of the field so um you know and then that went on and then eventually i ended up uh getting hired on full-time to run their uh, like help run the shipping and receiving for their uh, merch uh, enterprise that they had. Yeah. And I, I was a manager. They hired me in as a manager just by showing up. And I every time I get calls, I used to get calls after my internship ended for months. My internship ended officially. So I start, it, it was one year later. I started in November 2011. By November 2012, it was it actually it was the same night. My last night there was the night Barack Obama was re-elected president it was just a coincidence that was the i just remember that because i went to the bar afterwards and he had just won and everybody was everybody was celebrating so um uh so so but between that november and the following summer um i ended up they they would call me every so often and well, hey we got this music video we need help you know doing production yeah. on this Hey, we got this thing here. We, hey, we're doing this concert. We would like you to come help out with that. We'll pay you. We'll give you free access to the after parties, blah, 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 blah. I mean, that was the nice hookup right. on it. A lot of, you know, I brought you Yeah, to, the after parties were to, cool. To, to, to shit like that. Some of the wrestling stuff, some of the concerts. Yeah. The, their Halloween thing that's, you know, their big concert. That shit was fun, man. Yeah. And, and you know, like, we were treated better than the, the average Joe there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so that was, or I the mean. the average Juggalo. It, it kind of slowly paid off over time um so shout out to butt wheat groats <laughs> yeah uh Buck wheat. but uh but yeah so um what was i gonna say oh so so eventually i ended up taking that on get hired on full time um and then they the company ran into some financial issues uh later on down the road right and then eventually it came to fruition that i was told not to come in anymore um, no, due to no fault of my own, right? It was just it. Just, they kind of the, some of the business models things changed 
and you and know, you, and you still do down. projects with them to this day, well, so it's not right. like you have a bad relationship with the people. By all means, no. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we were just, you know, the business that business has changed a lot, and I've stuck it out right. for years and years, almost ten years later. So, you know, that was for me the big transition into being a a, a big boy. Um, and then that was and, a long transition. That was. I'm sorry. I kind of. <laughs> but it was right, a lot man. to it's cover. Right. It was right. a lot. Yeah, to, I know. I know. It was a lot to cover to get to get into that. And then, then I got into the financial world after that. And yeah. We can talk about that in a little bit. But um, that's yeah. That that was that was me growing. I'm sure you have similar things like when you were exactly. Um, like I said, like that's why I kind of wanted to bring up the school thing. And, um, you know, you took a, a step further and, and transitioned it from the school schooling to the internship to, um, you know, eventually getting hired. And with me, you know, going to the tech school and, and doing all that. And it was so like, oh, like my like eye opening because I was never like, you know, I, I have a degree in IT. I mentioned that. And I, I was in that career for eight or nine years. But I was never the most tech person, like most mm-hmm. tech savvy person. Like I felt in school, like, and Trey felt the same way. And Trey's, you know, shout out to Trey. He's one of my best friends to this day. Um, and then we, you know, he keeps asking to be on this. So we, we got to bring him on. But yep. um, he, him and I um, were in there and we're like, man, we don't know like half the shit that these kids know because these kids are just naturally on the computer and they mm-hmm. naturally, you know, these kids have been building their own computers because they game and all this shit. And, and me, you know, obviously I like gaming because of this podcast and the name of it and everything, but I don't game like that. You know, right, I, right. I usually stick to the sports games. You know, I play Madden, I play MLB, I do the wrestling games, you know, once in a while I'll throw in a GTA five or a red dead or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you know, you and, and our guest tomorrow, Sam, uh, are, you know, when you guys talk about video games, it's way over <laughs> my head. You know, I'm I'm lost. Even the video game character draft, I thought I was way behind you guys. Luckily, Tramel was way, way, way behind me. <laughs> um, shout out to T. But um, so, you know, transitioning from, you know, not knowing much. In, and I, I, when I first went to the school, I actually signed up for because they advertised a bit of business administration cl- course. But not as not that many people took it, and they kind of talked me out of it because they basically told me, which it makes no sense at all now that I think of it, it like you know. And I thought of it back then. It's not like I realized this just now. Mm-hmm. But they had told me that most people that go through this course own their own business. I go, oh, well, really? if they own their own business, then why do they need a degree? Yeah. So it makes really... no fucking sense to me. So I actually went in. When I first started uh, the program, I actually was going into the electronic program, which would build computers instead of um, troubleshoot them. Mm-hmm. And after looking at some, you know, salary, you know, there's not much money making, you know, in just building computers. You know, you're talking about 40, 50 grand max. Yeah. You know, so I was like, all right, well, let me go into the network side and the troubleshooting side. So I did that, and like I said, me and Trey were very out of place. I always felt like um, these kids, I was like, man, I'm, I, how am I ever going to get a job? But then I realized, I go, none of these kids can talk to people. Yeah. So how are they going to get a job if they have to interview for one? So that was always my strong point is my interviewing skills as far as if IT interviews can go in two ways. They can look at your resume, and they can be like, all right, this guy knows what he's talking about. Or 
they can just drill you on tech questions. If you're going to drill me on tech questions, you can take your job and fucking give it to somebody else right now because I'm not going to pass that. Right. Because, especially on the spot, like I need to be in front of a computer. Um, I need my resources to be able to figure shit out. Mm-hmm. So, but if you want to have a conversation, um, you know, if you want me to tell you what I can bring to a company, I can, I can do that. And I can put it in terms that uh, normal people can understand because, you know, that's how I was when I started. Like I needed someone to explain like, you know, how does bandwidth work? Well, you know, it's like a busy highway, you know, like if during rush hour, you know, traffic's going to move slower, less cars on the road, you know, it's faster, shit Mm -hmm. like that. Like people had to explain that type of shit to me so I can, you know, now I can explain it to other people. Well, anyway... While I was going to school, it was, this is like, you know, between 2008 and I graduated, I think, in 2012. I, you know, I had a couple of professors. And like I said before, off air, I'm not going to specifically say what companies I work for because um, I had one specific professor that told me, and I kept, I kept it to pretty close to heart and um, stayed on course with this is, you kind of for IT, you kind of want to switch jobs every two years. Mm-hmm. Not only because things kind of get stale. If you stay in the same position and the same uh, company, you don't learn any new skills mm-hmm. because they have the same infrastructure set. So you're kind of just complacent. So not only that, but your pay raise, like. You know, and I'm sure you've been there where oh, yeah. you only get your three percent usually. You, there's not many, you know. Oh, here's a twenty grand promotion right. or whatever, or you have to wait a, a long ass time for someone to retire to take their position. Right. So with me, you know, it's always been, and the reason I went into IT at first is I'm not a big tech guy, and like I, you know, I'm pretty making that pretty clear. Um. You know, when we were going to college, it was the 08 market crash. Right. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. or near that. Yep. So, you know, I was like, well, what am I going to do with my life? I c- it can't deal with if we go into a depression or something like that. Like, if I, I need a job available. Mm-hmm. So, what's the two things that don't go away? Technology and healthcare. I can't do healthcare. Shout out to people that can. I can't yeah. fucking deal with that shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think I, you know, covered that in the fucking nursing home episode. Yeah, yep, yep. Just don't deal with you know shit. I can clean shit up, but fuck, man, <laughs> I see a lot of blood and stuff, you know, or puke or whatever. Well, just I, shit alone, just yeah. like the actual shit itself, right. I couldn't handle it. Right, the smell, dude, yeah. or whatever. It just and then and then try like imagine just doing that and like going home and having to go to sleep. Oh yeah, like try try to fall asleep while dude. you're fucking thinking about wiping someone's ass or something. You know, like ugh. when I did the laundry work, I would work nights. I couldn't sleep until like four in the morning, right? Because I had to like. It would it would be so gross. You have to decompress. Yes, you, and because you just I'm finding like big bags of towels and shit of blood, urine, yeah. fucking sh- actual like diarrhea shits. Like, and we've uh, talked we talked about it uh, last episode where you were taking the linen and I was taking the trash out and you get that smell in your nose and I don't know yep. if you've ever like smelled something like that but it lingers. Yes. And it lingers for hours and like after it's gone like you go home and you're like man I can still smell that fucking shitty ass diaper yep. or whatever. So anyway, I decided to go into the tech field and you know, it was it was a good decision at the time. Um I I would always have a job, and I still to this day like that's you know a backup plan if it, the stuff that I'm doing right now doesn't work out or you know God forbid something happens or whatever I can always go, lean back on that. 
But like I said, I knew I could nail an interview if I could just talk to you. Right. If you're going to, you know, drill me with stuff like go get fucking the dude that's been playing World of Warcraft for 30 hours. He can explain how everything works. You know, I need different resources and all that shit. But so I, I stayed at each job, n- not more than much more than two years. And I would always make sure it was a um, significant pay increase. Mm-hmm. And I got to a point where, you know, I was making pretty good money in IT, but um, I never wanted to do help desk either. Help right. desk is like the fucking bitch work of the IT world. You know, you sit usually in a call center. You usually have to do something remote you or, or talk something through it. You're just someone through a situation and, you know, people are stupid. They don't want to listen to you. So I never wanted to do that. So my first IT job, well, I'll take that back. My first technical IT job that I put on my resume, I actually didn't start doing IT at all there except for I did like, they had like almost like a DOS program thing and you okay. would run these uh, programs based on like, yeah, it looked like a DOS screen and you would just type in commands and you would print out like pension papers and paychecks for people that were retired and their benefits and all that shit. Okay. And then we'd send it out and all that. But the only cool things about that job were there was a few hot girls that I talked to on a regular basis. And, um, you know, I learned that, you know, it's kind of hard to fuck around with multiple girls <laughs> in, in one one job, right. which, you know, I tried to and... You know, I did, but then at the same time, it kind of backfired. Right. Um, you know, I had two and then almost a third. And, <laughs> you know, it was just, it was a, it was a small company. So. Yeah, it's hard to have a harem <laughs> in, a, yeah, in a work environment. So, you know, as far as that was my first. And then I got, um, I ended up getting, okay, so towards the end of it, this guy, there was four people in my position. We were called senior production operators. Like I said, we run these programs and uh, basically send the money to banks for people to be able to um, cash their pension checks. And I forget what they're called. Like, it's been so long that I, I've even talked about this job. And um, we would – so there was four of us doing this job, and one guy had um, broken his leg. Okay. He was out for three, three, four months. So we had this meeting with just us three now with a, a couple of supervisors and they were like, well, how are we going to pick up the work? So I volunteer because my job, I would come in a little later. People would usually start at like seven or seven thirty. Mm-hmm. I would come in at 10. They would leave at four. I'd leave at six because we had funds in California that we would have to have them leave uh, at a certain time. And then I would have to run their end of month programs and shit like that. So we would need someone there to do that at the end of the day. So I volunteered to do that. And so like during the day, I didn't have much to do. I had a lot less than the other people. So I said, well, why don't you give me his workload? I'll do it all. And if I ever need help, I will just ask, you know, just, you know, and if I ask, you know, please help, you know, like I, I'm the type of person that I will only ask if I'm drowning. So I go, you know, they're like, okay. So I, for three, three to four months, I didn't ask for help at all. And we had these metrics as far as like, okay, so we had a yellow metric and a red metric. And we'd have these monthly metric meetings. And a yellow metric would mean that our QA person caught something before it went out the door that was wrong. 
Okay. So you could just fix it real quick and then send it out to the client. Yeah, yeah. Like if it was a you know a file with the wrong PGP key, uh, which unlocks an encrypted file. You know, not to try to get too techy for people. Yeah. But um, a PGP key unlocks an encrypted file. If you locked it with the wrong PGP key, you know, if he found it, you know, you'd have to change the file. Um, or, you know, anything like that. So that would be a yellow metric. A red metric would be if it actually went out to the client. Right. And they got it wrong. So during the span, I didn't, I didn't have any red metrics. Like, I was the fucking man. Like, I was busting my ass and all this shit. Well, after the four months, the dude comes back, and he ends up getting a promotion. Oh. And he was gone for four months. And the promotion was to technically get into the IT f- to department. Oh, so you're kind of like a you're kind of like a middle ground of like an intern versus a employee, right? You get right, paid, but right. But I'm not doing what I want to do. They yeah, know I'm yeah, going yeah, to school yeah. for it, and they know I'm getting a bachelor's. Yeah. And at the at the beginning, this guy had three months more seniority than me. Okay. When I got hired, my boss had told me seniority doesn't mean shit here. It matters all about your work ethic. Mm-hmm. Cool. So him and another chick get promoted. Another girl gets promoted as a, a team lead to our little group. Right. So those two people are out. This girl gets promoted, and I'm the last one of the original four. And I'm like, what the fuck? I put all this work in. I had no metrics. Oh, by the way, all these other people had metrics up the ass. You know, we'd have these metric meetings, and like they would give you a printout of your metrics. And you would have to explain why you, what you did wrong, what you can do to fix it, and like all basically just be accountable for yourself, right? So in these meetings, I was just real quiet because I never had to fucking do it. I was like, you know, fucking a, I don't, I another month, no metrics. Mm-hmm. So this guy comes back, he gets promoted. This girl that was had three weeks more seniority than me, she gets promoted in the IT department. Uh. Another chick that w- had like two months more because sen- we all kind of started at the same time within six months of each other. Right. And she gets the team lead. Well, I'm sitting there, and th- this, now I'm pissed off because I volunteered to work my ass off for three, four months while this guy was out, asked for no help, had, you know, my numbers were fucking great. Right. And, you know, they just shit on me. So I'm like, all right, well, you know, fuck you, you know, pretty much. I was like, this shit is fucking stupid. I'm I'm out as soon as I can be. Right. So my attitude changed a lot, a lot, because I was like, you know, they I, I pretty much took it as an insult, and they pretty much lied to me about the seniority thing because mm-hmm. I was even interviewed for these positions. So my attitude changed, and... There was so we would print out these procedures for the command line on our DOS program. Right. So if the rule was is if you followed the procedure to a T, even if the procedure was wrong and you did it wrong, you were okay. So I print out a procedure, do it one you know steps one through fifteen or whatever. The procedure was wrong. The the file got sent out wrong, mm. so they put a metric on me, and I went up to the team lead, um, and I go, hey, and this is a girl that was in the same position as me at one point. I said, according to the procedure, this is how it's done, and you know I shouldn't be penalized for this. Her response was, you should know better. <laughs> so I turn around, 
And under my breath, I go, this is fucking bullshit, right? Mm -hmm. She marches into my supervisor's office, tells him that I started cussing at her, (laughs) and they put me on like a probation, a 30-day probation. So I'm like, dude, I'm getting fired. And this is... This is probably two months into like me like having a real real shitty attitude at work. So like yeah, you know I I do get it to a point, but like you know I don't feel like it's completely my fault, right? You know, so she does this. I get put on a probation, and that month it was a it was December. That whole month I had more metrics that month because I was so nervous that I was getting to get fired mm-hmm. that. More metrics that month than I did my whole career there. The whole two, two and a half years that I was there or whatever it was. Right. And um, so I go, okay, it, when December comes up, I'm like, all right, you know, my 30 days is over and I'll be able to get back to normal. So January, you know, because January, let's say January 4th or 5th, whatever, because of the holiday and all that weekend, whatever. Right. So early January... I have a meeting with my boss about doing, uh, you know, the probation thing. And he goes, he tells me, he goes, we're putting you on another 30 days. (laughs) So I was like, all right. I go, I just had the worst month I've had here because I think I'm walking on eggshells because I think I'm going to get fired. And now you're going to put me on another 30 days. I was like, all right. Thinking in my back of my head, I'm like, you know, you can go fuck yourself. Yeah. I'm going to quit before these 30 days are up. Find another job. So that was my mission, and I ended up getting a network administrator job, like huge jump in the IT world. Like if you know any, you know, if you're familiar with the IT world, you'd really, that's not really your first position as a network administrator, like that, right. you have to build up to that. So I, uh, I ended up getting a job um, with a company that's, uh, that was partners with a hospital, well-known hospital in Michigan. Yeah. And um, they were taking over their uh, home care and hospice building. So I wasn't technically in the hospital. I was just in, like, one of their office buildings. So um, I get the position. They they call me back from the interview and, you know, offer me a position. So I go in to my current job that I'm on probation and go up to my super i go up to my supervisor supervisor mm-hmm. because he's the one that hired me my supervisor i don't think ever really liked me in the first place yeah so i go up to him and this this was a monday i go friday's my last day and he's like what and i go yeah i'm, I'm giving my notice in he goes well most people uh give two weeks i go yeah most people aren't on probation for 30 days and then get added another probation and get treated like shit for five months so yeah. I'm out on Friday, you know, good luck. Yeah. So I was like, I want to let you know, because you're the one that hired me. You want the, you're the one that wanted me in here. I don't care what my other supervisor says. Yeah. So like, and he's like, well, you should go let him know. So I was like, okay. So I went and let him, oh, I, I just peeked my head in his office. I go, Hey, my last day is Friday. And I just <laughs> went to my desk. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't leave on great terms, but you know what? I, I left, you know, sometimes you just got to do it. Um, but so I go to this company that's partners with this company with the hospital and I'm a network administrator. And again, I learned the lesson the hard way not to mess with girls at work, especially if they're in HR. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's a problem. Uh, me and T had mentioned that. That's where I actually met T the monster. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, uh, I worked with him. Um, you know, actually, it was funny because his desk was near mine, and <laughs> it, you know, T's been on here plenty enough. Like, yeah. if you're an yeah. avid listener, you know his personality. And I overhear this motherfucker talking like The Rock. You know, he's doing a rock impression to somebody. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know, and I, you know, obviously, I'm a huge wrestling fan. I'm like, dude, like, you're really talking like The Rock? And he's like, yeah, man. And then we just hit it off from there. But um, this girl, you know, you have the uh, orientation for the first couple days. Right. You know, and it's like. The, th- the first and second day is orientation and the third day you're you're on the job you know so mm-hmm. the first two days you know they give you an hour lunch or whatever you get an hour lunch anyway but like it's like a scheduled thing uh-huh. so by my third day i'm like all right well i've gone to lunch by myself twice by myself you know i and i'm not the type to really bring a lunch to work yeah you know, i usually eat out and so i was like you know i'm kind of sick of eating lunch by myself so you know i know two hr girls couple people that were in my orientation class but i don't feel as comfortable talking to them as i do with the hr girls because they you know you're not really talking to people on your orientation you're more like doing computer work paperwork all the shit sure you can talk to the hr people though like you know so i'm we had the little it was like instant messenger or whatever so i instant messenger i was like hey you know would you like to get some lunch today right and this is how it all started i was like i just you know i don't feel like eating lunch by myself would you like to go out for lunch she goes sure so probably the biggest mistake I made there was, you know, going to lunch with her and she didn't even eat. Like I, I ate and she just, we just, you know, we bullshit and she was real cool at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Dude, the chick turned so fucking psycho, man. And I know this is not much about IT, but I think this is more <laughs> entertaining. Right. So, um, she turned so fucking psycho. Like she would text me. She would IM me if I didn't answer. Oh, wow. She would, I mean, she would email, like, I mean, if I didn't answer the certain, like, time frame, and, like, uh, uh, T the Monster and this dude Mario, they were, like, I don't know what their fucking title was. T could tell you next time he's here. They were, like, it seemed like they were, like, secretaries. They were always answering the phone for something. Mm -hmm. Well, they sat across, like, the aisle away from me, Mm -hmm. our cubicles, and... This HR chick, she would do laps around our desks, and this dude Mario was like, "Dude, she." He's like, "I've never seen her come over here until you start working here." I think you guys talked about this before. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, we yeah we use the LB term and like yeah, yeah. Talk, yeah. So, um, she would come over there, and we we're like, "What the fuck?" Like, she would literally like stalk me at work, and there was one day that I was in my boss's office. And this was after a couple new people started. And, you know, we would, uh, for as far as being IT, and this is in a lot of my IT jobs, is when a new person starts, you set up their computer, Mm -hmm. you set up their user and all that stuff, their access to things. And, you know, you log in as them and make sure their email works and all that bullshit. And, you know, so I would set up their desk with their computer, their two monitors. And whatever. And, you know, you're almost like the greeting person because you're like, hey, this is how you log in. You give them, like, maybe a little packet or whatever. Sure. Well, at this company, too, they would get, like, a little greeting box. And it would be, you know, some pens, highlighters, a notebook, some Cheez-Its, a water, you know, just little snack things and and just things to be like, hey, welcome welcome to our, our home, you know, whatever. Right, right, right. So 
um, the lady didn't have a trash can. She, she came up to me and she's like, "Hey, uh, Bobby, you know where can I get uh, where can I get a trash can?" Mm-hmm. And I go, "Well, I'm not really sure." I go, "HR gave you that little, little greeting basket." I go, "Why don't you talk to HR? They can probably hook you up with a uh, trash can." So she uh, she walks away. I go into my boss's office. I hear this stomping down this hallway. I'm like, man, like someone's walking angrily. It's the HR chick. She comes across. I mean, you could hear her heels from down the hall. <laughs> she comes in and she's like, why the hell did you say that I can get her a trash can? Do you think I did hand out trash cans all day? Do you think that's all I do? And I'm like, what the f- where the fuck? What the? It's a little intense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, screaming. So uh, she and then she just storms off. She doesn't even let me answer. Just storms off. My boss looks at me. He's like, "What the fuck did you do to her?" I'm like, "Man, that bitch is fucking crazy." Apparently, and, dude. I only worked there for like nine months, right? Yeah. And actually, Trey, uh, I ended up getting Trey a job because the guy that actually trained me, he got fired. Uh, within like a month of me working there <laughs> because he, they found out he was drinking on the job. Jesus. Um, he would come in like in the second, like after lunch, he would always walk around with like a coffee mug type thing. It was like a bigger, it might be like a more of like a water jug. Yeah, yeah, like a but it was, thermos it, mug. Yeah, thing, it was yeah. like a it was like a mixed drink. Oh, nice. And he was just getting lit like during work. Okay. And um, I th- think they had had an issue with him before because technically they have to offer you help i believe right yeah uh, yeah i think that's a law like if you have a have a issue with substance abuse or something yeah, if you that don't they, take the help then then they can yeah. yeah so i think they offered him help before i don't i i actually think that he took it but then it was a second offense and they they had to get rid of him right so they got rid of him so i got trey in there and me and trey would just uh, our boss was cool shit. He was one of the coolest bosses I've ever heard. His name was Jerry. Um, tr- T will tell you the same thing, like because T used to, T wasn't even in his department. He'd just go in there and fucking chill with Jerry. And he was he was an older guy. He had a limp. He was fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, not saying limps are cool, but you know, he some was, limps are good. Yeah, he's yeah, he like a pimp limp. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so he um he his whole philosophy was like, look, I will teach you ninety percent of what I know. You know. And so I don't have to deal with it. And then like 10% I'm going to hold on to. So, you know, you can't fucking Derek for real me, you know? Yeah. So he would, uh, he would teach us everything. And he was like, look, what I want you guys to do is because I know you guys have different skill sets as far as IT. He goes, Trey, if you know something and Bobby doesn't, take Bobby with you. If Bobby knows something and you don't know it, Trey... Then have you know? So we'd be together a lot with these IT tickets that would come in, right? To troubleshoot because we both needed to know how to solve them just in case the other one wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Well, people didn't really like us walking around together, so because um, they would always see us together, like, oh, do you need two people to f- fix my computer problems and shit? So <laughs> other managers would email Jerry and be like, "Does Bobby and Trey always have to be together?" And Jerry calls us into his office. He goes, look at this email. So he show he shows us the email. He goes, uh, you know, it says <laughs> basically like what I just said. Like, do they always have to be together? And then he goes, look at my response. He turns his monitor around, shows us his ro- response. His response goes, 
don't tell me how to fucking run my department. Oh, wow. <laughs> this guy, dude, he was telling me because like he he gave me a lot of advice about uh, IT resumes and stuff because most people are like, oh, keep it to one page. Right. IT resumes are are completely different, and his resume was actually like eight to ten pages long Jesus. because of his certifications and all this shit. And right. Like, I mean, this guy like he could have had any IT job he wanted. I I believe he works for like, um like IBM or Amazon corporate right now. Oh, wow. Like he's way up there. Okay. Um I think he actually had to move down south Virginia or something. But um so me and Trey would, you know, kind of do tickets together and people were getting pissed. And it got to a point where um we do we would just always be together. And this HR chick, I told Trey his first day, I go, dude, she's obsessed with me. Like, don't, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm a good looking guy, but I'm not that good looking guy, man. <laughs> Fuck. So you'll see when we're on visual, which by the way, your, your photograph story, man, makes me a little worried about being on camera. If you're that bad at taking pictures, oh, man, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. kind of worried on how you're, well, you're going to do on video. Listen, I can, I can figure out, I've set up a studio or two in my day. Nah, so, nah. so I think I know what I'm doing. Okay. You know, I'm just, you know, uh, just put a little bit of doubt in the back of my mind. All right. Anyway, but uh so we um I forgot where I was going with this. Um we the were, HR girl. Yeah, the HR girl. So, the HR girl would I told her, I go this chick is obsessed with me. I go, you know, all this shit and so she it, it, we're doing a ticket together and the HR girl comes along and she starts, you know, fucking bitching at me. So, like, I tell, you know, I kind of tell her off. And, like, Trey goes, Trey th- thought I was joking. Right. So, Trey goes, oh, y'all should hang out together and shit. And I'm like, <laughs> I look at him like, what the fuck, dude? Like, and, like, she uh, she just fucking went <laughs> off. So, we're walking back to our desk. And I'm like, Trey, dude, why the fuck did you say that? And you know, he's like, dude, he's like, I didn't know it was that serious. I thought you were fucking around. And I'm like, no, man, like, this chick is fucking obsessed with me. Dude, she would put in tickets saying my monitor doesn't work. So I told Trey, I go, look, man, if 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 she ever puts in a ticket, you got to handle it. Like, I'm not going over there. She would be like, my monitor's not working. So I assigned the ticket to Trey. Trey goes over there, and he's like, bro. He goes, her shit was unplugged, <laughs> and the plug was just hanging next to the outlet. <laughs> like, she unplugged it just so I would go over there. And, like, she'd be like, oh, where's Mike? Uh, uh, Bobby, whatever my name is. And, um... <laughs> She uh she'd be like, Where's Bobby? And he's like he goes, Dude, he he's in the bathroom or like, you know, make him an excuse or he's working on this. Right. And um she would get so mad. But it, it was so obvious. Like like I said, it, like the plug would just be unplugged. <laughs> and you know, these uh, to go back to even just the IT problems that we had, yeah. These nurses, I mean, granted these nurses could probably save your life. Right. They are some of the dumbest people when it comes to technology. Like Trey had this ticket that this lady go, you know, he goes over there and he's like, "Yeah, you have a problem with your your computer." And she's like, "Yeah, it, it says it's in sleep mode." And he's like, "Okay." And she goes, "Well, I said good morning to it." And I was wow. And I'm and he's like wow. he goes he goes, "What?" And she goes, "Yeah." She's like, "Hello. See, it doesn't come on." And he's like, um what he's like are you kidding and she's like no she's like why you know and he's like all you got to do is push the power button like (laughs) he's like it doesn't work like that it's not voice activated (laughs) 
Like, and like he came over and I thought he was joking. He was dead fucking serious. And I'm like, dude, like what the fuck is wrong with these people? We would have this one lady. She would call us at least three times a week because we had a lot of conference rooms. They would do a lot of conferences in, in, in our building. Right. She would call us at least three times a week to turn on the TV. And she's like, I can't get the TV to turn on. And she goes, there's a little red light at the bottom. And I was, I, I just looked at her. I go, I go, are you serious right now? She goes, yeah. She goes, I go, go home and look at your TV. There's most likely going to be either a red light or a, a white light yeah. on the bottom to show that it's getting power. Like, right. how fucking stupid are you? <laughs> like, this is the type of shit we had to deal with every fucking day. Like, yeah. and we had one chick and she, this, this girl, this girl was a programmer. Okay. So she's in IT, bro. Okay. She comes up to us. It was after a weekend. She gives us, uh, she's like, yeah, my laptop's making these weird, it's like music's playing, like music's playing, like, we, you know, so we go over there, we pull up the task manager, see if, you know, what program she's got running. We don't see anything. Um, and so we put headphones in and we, we hear, it's like, it's like you have a dial on a radio. Okay. So it's like, you know, you hear some music, then it's like somebody changed the station and you get like a weather report. Huh. Then then it changes some more, and you hear some music again. Then I hear some more, and you you might get like a traffic report. That's really then weird. Then it hear then it turns again, and you hear ah ah ah, <laughs> and we're like, huh? What is what is this? So you know, we do some investigative work. We run some you know like some malware bites and shit like that. Yeah. She had a fucking virus from going on. We found out she, like her history. She was going on the porn. Oh Jesus! At her fucking house, right? So, wow. and this this chick's a programmer. Like yeah. you had to have gone through some like basic courses oh that are God. you know like if you're a programmer, if you're on the network side or or whatever, if you're on the software side or the hardware side, you're gonna take some overlapping classes that explain shit. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like any other fucking thing. You got your math, your English, your whatever. This is the same fucking thing. You have to take some core classes. Well, I don't even have a degree in IT, and I know that if I'm got something weird, first thing I do, well, let's run a virus scan. Right. Let's just check it out. So she's got a she's got a virus, and we we clean it up for her, and we're like, hey, you had a virus on your computer, and she's like, well, how did I get it? And I go, well, you know, the the, the videos that you were watching. Yeah. had had some uh had some viruses attached to it and she goes oh like youtube me and trey just look at each other we're like <laughs> not like youtube well you know <laughs> jizz tube maybe yeah. red tube but yeah we're, like shit like that man we, we have to deal with that shit all the time so that company actually ended up going under and our last day like w- like we were laying off people for like weeks mm-hmm. and with me and trey uh, we would get an email with a list of people and saying, like, deactivate their accounts at this time and all this shit. So, like, we knew something was going on. Well, we were kind of naive to it because they were like, oh, you know, because it was, it was just random people. You know, right. it wasn't like a department here, a department there. It was just random people. So, one, uh, it was a Friday. We get an email for a meeting request. In the morning. And it was like, like I said, it was random people. So, but like me and Trey were always put on these weird fucking projects. So I was like, like we had like town hall meetings and this was way before I fucking uh, DJed and we'd have to pick like set up like audio equipment, like, right, like right, right. microphones and all that shit. We barely knew how to, the shit worked. Like, 
You know, it would take us fucking hours to set this shit up. Right. So um, we got this meeting request and, you know, we're, we were joking around the whole morning. I mean, this meeting was, we got the meeting request at like 8. Mm-hmm. The meeting was at like 11. I mean, we were joking around the whole morning like, man, what if we get fired and all this shit? So we go to this meeting and, again, it's kind of a random group of people. But that's, at the time, you know, with me and Trey being involved, like, that wasn't uh, out of the ordinary. We Because right. we would get random requests with random people to work on different projects. Okay. So we go in there, and I, I bring a fucking notepad and pen, and I tell Trey, I go, you didn't bring, you know, a fucking piece of paper to, like, take down notes? And he's like, oh, let me go get one. <laughs> he goes back to his <laughs> desk and grabs one. And, you know, the meeting starts and the first thing they say, they're like, if you're in this room right now, today is your last day. Oh, wow. And we just start cracking up, dude. Like, because we were joking about it the whole fucking morning. Well, there's one lady who just had just gotten uh, hired as a project manager like three weeks prior. Mm-hmm. She starts bawling and she's like, really? I just, she's like, I just bought a new house and a new car. Like, and we're like, dude, you just started here. Like, don't you think you should probably fucking yeah i mean if that was if that was like you got the job and then you bought this shit like that's the dumbest thing you could have done like yeah like how stupid are you so we're in there and we we're fucking laughing and the chick that's doing this presentation she she gets all pissed at us because we're laughing about it yeah and um trey raises his hand and i'll never forget this he goes um He's like, well, I ain't staying till four o'clock, <laughs> you know. And she's like, we don't expect you to, Trey. <laughs> Me and him were the only two people that we they walked out. Oh wow! They physically really? walked us out. We're like, what do you think we're gonna do? Fucking like yeah. destroy the place? Like go fuck yourself. And um, so they're walking us out, and like one of the ladies, like before we were leaving, um, I was like, you know, it was nice working with you, and she thought we were joking, mm-hmm. and. She was like, yeah, yeah, okay. Like, kind of like being like a bitchy. To yeah. I was like, whatever. See you later. And um, Trey, like, works with her, or did work with her up until recently. He had gotten a job back there um, under the uh, real hospital. And she was like, I felt so bad because I thought you guys were joking. And, <laughs> you know, she's like, I would have never been like a bitch to you guys. I'm like, whatever. So, um, we I ended up you know obviously the company went on the company went under actually we got laid off on Friday the company went under Monday so oh wow okay. it was like we are the last people well I think I think actually uh, you left there just like a couple months before uh, things had changed over at Psychopathic Records and I ended up uh, leaving my management job over there yeah um, at the same time and at this time we were living together yeah uh, and. Uh, you know, we had a third roommate. Yes. Who got very pissed because we were both on unemployment and we yeah. were making Vine videos all, every day. Yes. So yeah. we would make these Vine <laughs> videos and we made a, and if you guys, you know, can somehow find it. Yeah. Um, I know it is on Twitter and I know it is on Facebook and I know if you probably Google, uh, you can find a six part Home Alone video yep. in Vine. Which is fucking classic. Yeah, it's like a, it's almost a shot for shot recreation. Yeah, so, I mean, it was, it was it's pretty, us two, a plastic alien, and you know. Yeah, it was it was pretty legit. Um, so now I know we have a sponsorship. We do have a sponsorship. But before you get into that, 
I have to pee very, very badly. Okay, so, so we will me... take a quick break. Yeah, and then we'll and get... we will be back with our sponsorship and some more IT discussion. Yes. All right, we are back. Much needed break. Yes, I've, dude, I've, I had this, dude, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's part of me getting older. Maybe I just got the bladder of an old woman. Maybe I have diabetes. I don't know, but I have to pee. This happened to me last night. I was telling you when I was on the uh, Shaggy and the Creep Twitch stream last night, uh, there was uh, there was a point in like a couple hours in and I had to pee, but I was like in the corner of the fucking studio and there was all this hypeness going on and I just, I didn't want to interrupt anything yeah. and I didn't want to be like, hey guys, let's stop so I can go pee. Bro, I had to hold that so bad. I Because fig- I figured, I was like, oh, we probably got another 20 minutes. I could hold it. I got another 20 minutes. It goes on for another hour and a half. You get the, that trucker's bladder at that oh point. Oh, my God. All right, but yes, we got a sponsorship. All right, we? yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by Hardeep's Vapes Surplus. Ooh. Are you sick of the same old jewel pods and vape pens? Visit Hardeep's Vape Surplus Warehouse. Experience vapes like you've never experienced vapes before. Try new flavors like African banana, smoky beef stick, sour potato, beef stick. <laughs> nice. crispy fish and chips, and more. Wow. Hardeep's Vape Surplus is the number one vape surplus in the Midwest. So let Hardeep in, uh, <laughs> so let Hardeep in you and check out har- that's so hardeep.com. Again, that's so hardeep.com. Hardeep. Hardeep. Beefy, that beef <laughs> stick, man. That, that sour one? potato? Sour, yeah. Wow, that's an interesting flavor. Yeah, I know. I, I don't think I've ever had a sour potato. Wow. Maybe that's some kind of sour cream um, potato. I don't know. That is, uh, that's an intense flavor, I got to say. I got to try that out to, uh, did they, they got to start sending samples of this stuff. I know. That's that's one of the things that we're working out in our contracts with these people. Yeah, a little bit of uh, you know sour potato and uh, what was that other one? Crispy fish and chip. Yeah, crispy. Let me let me look at it again. Um, that's because it's not like we write these. No, African banana. African banana. I smoky mean, beef stick. Uh-huh. Sour potato and crispy fish and chips. And then oh. it says and more. So who knows mm-hmm. what else they have. Well, that's that sounds pretty pretty flavorful. Welcome to Flavor Town, I All suppose. Right. I mean, hard deep. I mean, <laughs> he, he it says it's he's the number one surplus in the Midwest. Yeah. So, well, um, so so I, we we left off before I had to go pee and we had to take that break. Before uh, we, we left off, kind of at the same spot where you know I had I had worked my way up through these internships, got myself a management position at Psychopathic Records. Some financial things happened there where they had to change some of their business yep. models. Sounds like the same thing happened at Correct. your IT gig there. Um, and then, yeah, that fall, uh, you and I both end up unemployed uh, for a little bit of time. I mean, the interesting thing for me is I, I left Psychopathic Records, but then it was like, well, the business model changed. We got some things, but here's some other. They were kind of still dishing out some work to me right. now and again with cash and whatnot. So, and that, like I said, if they would call, they say we got a music video you got to shoot in the middle of fucking January after you've uh, your management position is no longer available. Um, just eliminated. It was yeah. an eliminated position type of thing, and uh, I'm like, well, yeah, I guess I'll I'll be there. You know, if you got a check for me, I'll be there. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, so I ended up in this weird position of like, well, I built I built a job. It was the it was the typical stereotypical. American dream. Dream, yeah, of you get an internship in college, you turn that, turn that inter- in, internship to your first uh, 
career job. Yep. And then, but but then you're like, what happens after that? No right. one ever tells you what ends up happening after that yeah, part. Yeah, the, the internship. I mean, Owen Wilson and uh, Vince Vaughn. I mean, they got to be interns. They got they yeah. got the internship at Google. But what happened after? Exactly. Like, exactly. No one knows. So the, the head of search didn't search out anything for us. So I had uh, I I had just kind of had a. a I was kind of burnt from burnt out, I should say, of the entertainment business, and I, I mean, I didn't want to have to start all over again right. someplace else because that's a that's a harder one to do. I was hoping maybe, you know, a little further down the road, I would have to go and maybe jump ship somewhere else, but I didn't think it would happen within like the first couple years, right? So quickly, so um, I end up thinking to myself. Oh, I remember we we went out. You and I, when we were we weren't working, we went out to see The Wolf of Wall Street. Yep. And I was watching that, and it's a great movie. We watched it like a dozen times. Yeah, by the way, we watched it like a dozen <laughs> times in the first two months that it was yeah. out. We didn't go to the theater that many times, but we bootlegged it and yeah. watched it like almost every other day. I ended up watching it in my uh, on my tablet in the unemployment office when I was waiting in the eight eight hour line. One of us. Yeah. One of us. <laughs> so. So I was uh, I watched that and then I just I don't know for some reason um, the, the the character or the person real Jordan Belfort just intrigued me I had a lot of spare time on my hands so I started like I bootlegged like his training videos and 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 again having this communication background you know his, when he's talking about persuasion I learned some of this already right. and I was but he was able to repackage it to where it's like I I I'm just bored and I was watching them and I'm like. I could do this. Yeah. I could fucking do this. So I had, there was a large financial company in Michigan uh, that was doing very, very well after the mortgage collapse. Uh, dealt with mortgages and lending and so on. And was just uh, just a, a big, big player in Detroit at the time outside of like the big three and yeah. auto, auto companies. And I had actually interviewed with them for other things over the years previously. Right. They were always hiring. There's just a big company. And I was like, fuck it. You know what? Let's try something new. Let's if it if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but at least they'll give me a paycheck for yeah. a while. And I'll try something new. But I don't I don't really care. I'll I'll go back to while I'm working it, I'll go back to trying to find entertainment gig jobs, you know? Um and and of course, like I said, I was still doing odds and end, you know, video work for this, or let's film a commercial for that. Or, you know, yeah. I ended up getting tied into a lot of video work due to my experience with with the record label. And uh, so I go and I I submit to just an entry level sales job there. I'm like, let's try it. I was like, like I said, fuck it, I don't care. Right. I'll do it. I'll show up. I'll show up until they tell me no longer to, to no longer show up, or I don't want to show up anymore. Yeah. So I start, and it was it was real. It was an over the phone sales job. Now, the idea was, um, it was like super entry level. You you aren't even doing the sale. You're not even selling the mortgage. What yeah. you're doing is you're taking bad leads that they just throw away. It's either maybe they talk to a banker and they just wouldn't answer the phone for so long, so we just moved on. Uh, maybe they told the banker they weren't interested at one point, like a week ago. Maybe it could be a number of things. Or maybe they didn't qualify for this one thing, but now we got a new uh, program that they could qualify for. So let's get them back on the phone. So you have to re-engage them. Right. And you're making a bunch of phone calls. And I, I really got into, I nerded out on the science of 
the persuasion aspect and you're figuring out a way to be able to get your pitch down and really all you had to do was be like, hey, you expressed interest in this uh, lending product here. Um, since the last time we talked to you, we had some changes. We'd like to get you some uh, updated information, yada, yada, yada. Let me verify some basic information. And then I get paid every time I took them and, and transfer them and, you know, conference them into a banker. Right. And depending on how difficult it was, depending on how much money I got. So I was like, wait, wait, wait. You're telling me I'll get a base salary of, I think it was like $10 an hour, which is still more than minimum wage right. at that time. Um, and then I then I can make, if I get this person who's over the age of, you know, I believe that the limit was like 65 and they want to do a refinance that they don't qualify for, but I can get them to a reverse mortgage. You're going to pay me $3 every time I just patch them on over. I could do that all day. And every time I do it, I get $3. Well, that's a simple math problem. Right. And you learn that in sales of like, well, it's not about, it's about qualifying all your leads and it's not talking, you're not selling to a hundred different people. You're finding out of a hundred different leads, you're finding the five, the ten, the fifteen people that are that are qualified, yeah. you're selling to those people. But half the job is churning through the bullshit. Right. And I was like, well, I get I could fucking do this. So I just started going through there and I fucking was crushing it. Part of it though was because of the back of my mind, I knew I could walk away from this yeah. at any point in time. I this is not what I wanted to do. But I started making some decent money. Yeah. I was I was doing pretty well. I was making more than my management position previously. Right. Which at that time was more money than I ever made in my life. Right. So I was like, well, this is this is pretty good. And then they um so then they they the few things that they would do. Um so you talk about like an orientation class, mm -hmm. right? So they would do this training. And every time you get into a new position at this company, they would put you in to a different orientation class. Right. Um and ours was a month long. And it was like it was literally a classroom. You show up five days a week, eight hours a day, and you're in a classroom. They teach you everything about mortgages, the way the finance, some of the financial systems work, um, how to sell, um, you know, things like that. And you're in this twenty person classroom, mm -hmm. and you really bond with people in there. You, it's almost like you're in college and high school. Right. Again. It's really weird. And you talk about hooking up with people at work. I mean, this was just, it was a field. I mean, you yeah. you had been out with us yeah. partying afterwards. Yeah. You see what would go on. You get a commission, you get commission day right. at the beginning of the end of the month. And then we go out to the fucking bars and then we're just like, you know, we get, get out at six and we're drinking until two in the morning. Well, that and we've talked about before, women in that industry are very aggressive as well. Oh, yes. So they will yes. take what they want or they will try to take what they yep. want. So, you know, it's even less work for the guy like for me to come around like i'd be like sweet this is yeah. awesome like you know if oh, a yeah. girl's interested in me she's just gonna fucking well you just got this because you got this adrenaline all day mm -hmm. because you're you're selling and you get it you get into this vibe where you're making money and you're like it the money starts adding up it's like here's another fifty dollars i just made here's a hundred dollars i just made here's another and then at the end of the day you're tallying it up and you get this high from it and you know with the men there's a lot of testosterone and and there's we're all young people in our yeah. 20s too Everybody's in their twenties right. for the most part, and so it's just it's it it reminded me of a lighter version of the Wolf of Wall Street. Right. It really was evidence. I mean, you have this big office space, loud music playing. You're you know people are are, are yelling over each other. It's fucking. You hear someone's hitting a, a goal. They're banging a gong. There's a fucking. It, 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 it was crazy, 
And that was just the entry level spot. So then um, I get, they're like, listen, you're crushing it with this. You're doing great. Mm-hmm. Like I was winning awards. There was a great one where I won, I was in the top percentile. I forget what the 10% or something like that as far as hitting these goals. And they were like, listen, we're going to have uh, a night out of town. Uh, oddly enough, they chose a Thursday. But, right. Uh, probably so they make sure we don't get too fucked up. Yeah. But <laughs> good luck on that yeah, one. Yeah, because being liable and shit. Yeah. But what they did is they were like, they bought us a hotel room because one, they, the guy who owns this financial company also owned a casino hotel right. and a bunch of other stuff. And he's like, well, they got us uh, one of the casino hotels. They got us a room. Everybody got a room. Uh, at this place, they took us out basically on a party bus across Detroit to all these different clubs and bars and free drinks all around. Right. Champagne. We're talking shots. We're talking beer. Anything you wanted. Food. Like, it was fucking on. I remember I was up that night. M- me and a buddy of mine I was working with, we were sitting playing blackjack at four in the morning. And I was so drunk that I just had to have him make the decisions for me. <laughs> And well, you said you were touching the cards well, I was, too. Yeah, I was kept touching the cards, and he was like, "Listen, stop touching the cards. I'll tell you what to do. Just don't touch the cards." Um, and so, and then and at one point, I was winning too, and then he had busted out. So I just took some of my my chips and I just gave it. I was like, "Listen, just keep playing with me. We'll just keep playing." We ended up walking away with like one hundred fifty dollars a piece. Right. I woke up the next morning, but oh my god, the hangover was so bad. We had to go into work on that Friday. But they said, listen, you don't got to show up until like noon. Right. And I was like, okay. Uh, but even then, it was just to do like f- five, six hours that day was just awful. It was it <laughs> was dreadful. Um, and there was a lot of parties like that, holiday parties. But then you got to come in on Saturday right. and sell. And I'm like, why did I fuck? Why am I doing this? Um, so anyway, I was crushing it with that. And they were like, listen, we got these, we got these security systems. What we do is they close a mortgage. And then we call them up and we say, hey, we call them up like three months later. We say, hey, by the way, thank you for closing that mortgage with us. By the way, you're in this preferred program thingy, whatever, since you closed the mortgage. Here's some benefits that really weren't anything. It was just a way as an excuse to be like, oh, by the way, Mm -hmm. we partnered with this company, X, and uh, you are eligible for a complimentary uh, equipment for a security system. And then if they're cool with that, then you would continue then to sell this security system. I mean, it was, they call it the warmest cold call that you could ever do. I learned a lot in sales by doing this. I made zero, almost nothing as far as commission. And it wasn't just me. Right. It was the entire model sucked. I mean, it was me and like 19 other people had to do this. And I did it for nine months. And you can attest to how miserable I yeah. was doing this. Like, I, I got to a point where. I knew so the way it worked is if you didn't hit your numbers for two months, they would put you on what's called an opportunity letter. Right. Which it means it's like it's this is a letter showing you have one last opportunity to make it or we gotta let you go. Yeah. You're not hitting your quotas. So uh and then but what you have to do is you have to hit not only the number your bare minimums, but you have to make up for the other two months. So, right. I mean once you hit opportunity letter, you're done. Yeah. Unless you can really pull it out of your ass. So I they gave me a warning. Um, a month in, being listen, if you don't hit your numbers this month, we're gonna put you on an opportunity letter this the next month. And I was already trying to get moved off this campaign. Yeah, it, I knew it was dying. Everybody knew it was dying. I wasn't the only one, but they wouldn't take me off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I was taking other interviews. I mean, I was taking interviews with Chrysler and right. a bunch of other companies to get out of here. And because um, I didn't want to just quit and not have a job. Right. And I was just trying to take on anything that I could to, 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 to not deal with that. And then I realized, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're in April right now. You put me on opportunity letter in May. That means I go through the month of May. I'm probably not going to hit the numbers, and you got to let me go in June. June, I start collecting unemployment. I could find a job, plus I get the summer off. Right. I was like, perfect. Wait a minute. Here we go. So as soon as they gave me the warning of, like, listen, uh, you know, if you don't hit your numbers this month, you're going to, we got to put you on an opportunity letter next month, and then you're, then you're out. And I'm like, if you don't hit your numbers then, I was like, okay. So then I was like, perfect. The next two months, I'm just going to make as much money as I can. I know it's not going to be feasible to right. hit these numbers because I'm so far behind. And this this whole program is shit that we're doing. Like nobody's nobody's really doing all that well. Right. And even if you are doing that, you're not making any money. It was the worst sales. I was making more money just transferring people to bankers. Yeah. It was. And at this point, you're so miserable that you're almost seeing like the light at the end of the tunnel. You're like, well, oh. I'm getting. If I get fired, it's better than coming it, in. Exactly. Because it, it was just so bad. It was like I I w it was like a bait and switch of like this is almost a promotion. And then you realize like. This isn't a promotion. Right. This is garbage. This is a way for you. I was making too much money, and this is a way, and not just me. Mm -hmm. Like I said, 19 other people. All these 19 other people that got put into this project were making too much money, so hey, we'll put you on this. You should be able to make decent money doing this. And it's like, no, we can't. Right. Because this sucks. And they wouldn't hear it. They wouldn't hear it that, that, that this was a bad program. So... um. And, and by the way, one of my the close friends that I had there at the same time was going through – I was going through some personal stuff as well uh, in, in my life, and he was going through a personal hell as well of like – he was going – he was in the middle of a divorce. Like he was bad. So, you know, misery loves company. Yeah. So, of course, we clicked together, and we're just like, fuck this. I mean, one of the best things, we just – we would get to a point where we would do our job just to kind of like – entertain each other right so like i was a i was an aggressive sell like i would sell hard and i didn't give a fuck because there was rules of like what you had to do if someone said they didn't have time let's okay take this for example you had to counter every objection you had to counter an objection three times unless mm -hmm. it was a time objection you only had to counter it two times what i mean by that is if someone's like ah you know what let me talk to my wife about it well let's counter that objection and i got to do it two more times however they say i got to talk to my wife about it well you know what i really don't have time to talk about it now Okay, I got to counter that objection. So you'd think, okay, one more objection and I'm done. Right. No, it reset. That's a different objection. He's got to tell me he doesn't have time at least one more time, or he's got to tell me he's got to talk to his wife two more times. <laughs> or if he goes, well, I just want to think about it because I'm got i going to talk to another company. Okay, that's a new objection. You got to keep hammering him. Right. That's the way you sell. And it works overall. But some of these conversations were miserable. I literally called a woman asking for the husband because his name was on the mortgage to try to sell the system. In those couple of months, he had died. I asked for him, and she gets emotional. I'm like, oh, he had passed. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Well, I'm calling. With and I have to keep going, though, right. because someone's listening and grading me, and I'll lose a piece of my commission if I don't do this. Yeah. So I'm going through the motions and I'm and I'm trying, and she's giving me objections, but she's starting to tear up because we're talking about you right. know, a few months ago her husband had just died, and I'm I'm like please just tell me you're not 
interested. Just tell me you're not interested two more times. And I was like, so we got the security system. I mean, we can, <laughs> would that be something you'd be interested in at all? And I'm like, please just say no. Please say no. Because if they, that was the part, they said no at that. They had to give me permission to say. Right. Um, it was some con. It was something in the contract of that was the thing, that was my exit. Yeah. Out. If they just weren't interested in it, they didn't want to talk about it. Okay, good. Um, and she was like, "Yeah, I guess I'll hear you out." Because a lot of times they would just be polite because right. we just gave them, you know, two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollars. Right. So why not? They're living in the house that they wanted. And I'm like, no, I gotta sell you this for another ten minutes. And I know you don't want to buy it. You're an emotional. Of course, she didn't buy. So it was a lot of this miserable stuff, and it was no longer being fun. And um, so I was like, great, I'm just going to sell as much as I can. I know I'm not going to hit these numbers, and then by uh, by May, I'm out, and I can be free to look for my own work. Well, uh, I go, May comes around, and I'm like, okay, great. So they're going to put me on the opportunity letter. Um, and they're like, uh, so they pulled me in the office, and they're like, listen, um, you know, we uh, we seen that you, you your numbers had improved, um, and we know that there was some personal stuff going on in your life. So we talked to Vic, who was the CEO at the time. So we talked to Vic, and um, you know, uh, we're gonna make an exception. We're not gonna put you any opportunity. I was I was so crushed. I was like, no, I thought I was out of here. I thought I was done. Now you're telling me I gotta keep selling this stuff, <laughs> and you're not gonna move me off of here. Like I just I'm not a person who wants to quit, and so I just. I was like, I don't know what else to do. So, um, but like I said, we to, to get by, there was a couple of us that would just fuck around on the phone right. and do stuff just to make the other people laugh. And one day, I had this guy, and I was just being real aggressive with him, and then I finally, and he, he just hung up on me. And I was like, okay. So he called back in. Now what happens is, is if someone calls back in, it can go to whoever's available on the phone. Yeah. And there was this buddy of mine who sat next to me. He picks it up and he goes, ah, this is so-and-so with, you know, this, this lending company. Uh, how can I help you? And he goes, he goes, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was talking to, I was talking to, uh, Melvin and I, I got uh, disconnected. Uh, and he's like, oh, okay. Well, uh, and, and because the rule was unless they were adamant to talk to so, that, that person, yeah. You know, you just try to take it yourself. You'd be like, well, I can help you out. He's on the phone with someone else, but I can help you out. He's like, no, 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 I, need, I really need to talk to Melvin. I really need to talk to him. He's like, he's like, well, he's on the phone. I was like, what, what is it that I can, you know, what, what can I help you with? And right. maybe I can have him call you back or, or maybe we could just, you know, I could take care of this for you right now. And he's like, okay. He goes, you tell that motherfucker that if he ever calls <laughs> me again, that I'm going to fucking, I'm, you know, drive in my car and fucking shoot him and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah. and then. I, I well, because I heard him say this of like, what well, you know what? He's on the phone. I can help you. I see him, and I'm like, oh, I know who he's talking to. And all of a sudden, I see his face gets excited because he's like, oh, this is gonna be a slam dunk sale. I'm gonna steal it from him. And uh, he's like, yeah. Well, and then all of a sudden, I see his face just start to frown. He's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. Uh huh. Oh, did oh, did he? Okay. Oh, that's unfortunate. Oh, okay. he, he did call you a cocksucker. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh. <laughs> Well, that's so, unfortunate. Yeah, so, uh, dude, I fucking laughed my ass off. And then I got the recording, and I listened to it afterwards, and I laughed so... I had the fucking... The regional vice president was sitting next to me. It, basically, he sat... Me, me and my buddy got had to sit next to the regional vice president in these desks. They were open desks. They right. weren't cubicled, walled off. Right, right. A very open floor plan. 
Um, and um, they like, re- like bullpens. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and uh, they so they sat us next to them because we were we were good salespeople, but we were so disillusioned by all this and burnt out, and and they were just trying anything. I mean, that was the one place where. The, the they would use the same sales tactics on you that you would use on your clients right. to keep you working. So that's what and, and it, it was a top down thing. It wasn't his plan. Yeah. It was the CEO's plan and and downward. It was just the 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 culture of the right. company. So that was the idea is that he would work with us hands on just to keep us from because if we completely gave up or were gone, then it would go and it would be a ripple effect to everyone else on the team yeah. and it would be a mutiny. So um, so anyway, he he even listened to it. And it was, he's like, you really think that's funny, don't you? I was like, I do. I think it's fucking <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> and uh, I was like, because I didn't do anything wrong or right. illegal. I followed the rules. It just, I've sold, and to this day, if I sell something, it's all in tone. Yeah, I will say all the proper words. But I can tell you to go fuck yourself with a tone in my voice. Like, right. I figured it out. Um, so, anyway, that ends up happening. And then we end up switching buildings and I switch teams. And um, it just really goes bad over that summer where I'm just, we, everybody, everybody has given up. Yeah. Um, they get to the point where they have to pull us into a conference room and it is a vent session. And basically, they were like, "Well, what is it that you want to change, or what do you, what issues do you have?" And halfway through all this, I realized this poor soul in front of us, this team leader in front of us, who isn't—they picked a team leader not from our yeah. team to hear us out as like a mediator. And I was like, "Oh, this guy's just taking a bullet." Yeah. So everybody bitches, and then we get it out of our system, and then we go back to no- to normal. Yeah. And then nothing changes. Nothing changes. And exa- that's exactly what happened. Like ev- Most of the people figured, oh, they're like, okay, well, they heard us out, and maybe they're going to make some concessions. And we're like, no, nothing's going to change. Right. We're losing money. This product doesn't sell. We're selling even less now because we don't. the leads are older and blah, blah, blah. There's this reason, that reason. They're taking incentives away from us. We can't build these. We're, we're being outpriced by the competition, bunch of stuff. And um, and again, this is within my first my first year. I was there just over a year at this point, and it was I, I reg- originally I came in and be like, listen, if I don't no longer find this fun, I'm gonna leave. Right. But now I'm to the point as an adult. Now I'm being a real adult. I'm in my later twenties, and it's a thing of like, well, you just don't quit a job now. Yeah. I can't. I'm living on my own. Right. We're living together now. Right. And I'm like, I can't just quit a job and not have a job. So now there's a real conundrum. I've kind of boxed myself in a corner. Now I got to get fired so I can get unemployment. Right, right. And then so eventually I just had this team leader that like he knew a number of it. I mean, the the top guy was no longer the top guy anymore on that team. And he was I mean, he ended up. He ended up quitting and took a job at like a a credit union. Mm -hmm. And as soon as that happened, all faith in this thing because they would hold him. It was there was this other guy. um, I'll call him Zona, um, and uh, and this other girl. I'll call her Renee, uh, just to just so I have a name. Yeah. Um, And Renee and Zona, uh, they were like the pinnacle examples of like, come on, these guys are doing it. You guys can do it. And and then me and my buddy, they're like, you're not too far from that. I mean, you could do this. And we're like, even if we hit their numbers, it's not even the money isn't there. Right. So 
Um, well, Renee was in a different building for some reason. She gets fired all of a sudden. And we don't really hear why. And eventually we figure out what was happening is part of what we had to do was a credit check. And we had to do a credit check. You need a social security number. Right. Now, we already did a mortgage, so we don't need the whole social security number. We just need the last four digits. And it's just like a soft credit check, like credit karma. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, but we still can't, we have to get their permission to do it. Right. Um, and what she was doing is she was messaging bankers that could go in in the back end of the mortgage documents and sending them the, the, the uh, social security number. That's a big no-no. Right. That's illegal. You can't do that. So she was out. And then we're like, oh, so all those great numbers that she had as number one fraudulent. are fraudulent. And then Zona fucking quits and has a, he's having a nervous breakdown. I mean, the dude is fucking chewing up Xanax in front of us. <laughs> I mean, this position, everyone was taking Xanax. Right. It was, I mean, unlike the Wolf of Wall Street doing coke and shit, everyone was doing Xanax in this job. So, um, it was, yeah, this, this particular team was just no longer fun. And uh, so he leaves, and now they realize, fuck, we have nobody. And the other top performers are so disillusioned. Right. So they broke up the team and put me back on these, doing these uh, transfers to bankers. And then I finally work out a, uh, a figure out a plan to transfer out because technically I'm at a sub company yeah underneath the, the main, main one the main lending company uh, for liability reasons probably for legal reasons of telecommunication laws if you know anything about that it's just it's a shielding effort um, so I figure out a way I'm like listen let me get into the lending side of things the actual lending side of things. Um, basically I got, I was, I was aiming for a position where I get to speak on behalf of an underwriter. Right. I'm not selling you the mortgage. You're already sold on it, but I'm going to work you through the rest of it and keep you on track. Um, and again, learned a lot about now, not so much persuasion, but now holding people accountable. Right. Well, in order to do a transfer, an internal transfer at this company, uh, they, you have to be there for two years. So my two years was coming up. And as soon as that happened, I was put in for it. Well, they fought me tooth and nail to not do it. They threw everything at me to stay yeah. in this position because they were hemorrhaging people. They were actually on a firing freeze. The guy in the okay, if you if if you can figure out the company I'm talking about, the guy that's in the commercials came down to our company one day and yelled at our CEO and said, "You can no longer fire people. <laughs> so you're hemorrhaging people. You have a, you have a training issue yeah. going on." So I, did, I didn't catch on to this until I was ready to transfer. I was like, oh, you can't even get rid of me if you wanted right. to. Unless it was something egregious, obviously. Right. If it was illegal, or if I just didn't show up, yeah. that'd be a different story. So once I figured that out, I was like, all right, perfect. So I, I, I got all my ducks in a row. And then all of a sudden, like a month before I do the official transfer, where me and it's like six other people are going to leave to this new position together. Mm -hmm. um, and a month before that, maybe a month and a half, they come in and like, listen, um, Here's the here's the deal. You guys for the next month and a half have to hit your numbers of these quotas or we're going to refuse your transfer. And I was like, that's fucking bullshit. They already did a credit check, they did a ba another background check on me cuz I'm right. dealing with personal finances. They did a number of different things. They have a slot in their training class that I I had to wait until May of 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 this year uh, in particular. It was like 2015, May of 2015 to fucking even get in this instead of April because they were too full last time. Right. And they they need people in this. 
This is during. This is right before Brexit. And if you know, any, if you guys know anything about finance, this was like huge lending time. Yeah. So they needed people bad. I mean, so you're telling me they waste. You're going to waste all that money, and you're going to be like, ah, you know what? Instead of doing like 27 of these X units that we pay out a day, he only did 25. Right. And and so you can't have them. I, I call bullshit on that. So I didn't hit that goal. I took a couple days off. I yeah. fucking you know I used some PTO Start time. Off. Yeah. And uh, um, I remember I got pulled in like a week before, but like, listen, you know, uh, from like my team leader, mm -hmm. the, one of the regional vice presidents gave us this sp speech about you have to hit your numbers. We're going to hold you back. And I was like, fuck you. Um, and then the team leader pulled me into the side. And be like, listen, you're not hitting your numbers. Uh, so, you know, we don't want to hold you back. I was like, that's bullshit. You're not going to hold me back. And she and I, I realized that she, I realized that she or she realized that I knew now that she had no power over me. Right. And because she gave me the same look of like when I had a client like read through my bullshit. Mm -hmm. And I was like, she's like, well, you, you're going to have to talk to so-and-so. You're going to talk to the regional vice president about that then. I mean, I would suggest you talk to him about it. I was like, oh, I will. I will. But I'm not worried about you're not going to stop me from transferring. Right. So um, I messaged him and I was like, hey, uh, when you get him in, I want to talk to you. Because um, I was about two weeks out from transferring. Yeah. Well, I didn't hear from him for a week. So the next week comes. And the recruiter uh, of the main lending company calls me and is like, hey, here's your new orientation. Here's your, here's, now, this day you don't got to show up. You can just take the day off because mm -hmm. you've already been through some of the basic stuff. Um, but you just need to get into your training course. Right. Um, and I was like, okay, by the way, are you waiting on uh, the company I'm in with now to sign off on my internal transfer? They're like, oh, no, they already sent their paperwork a month ago. Like, you're good. Like, we don't need anything. So I was like... Oh, so you're not waiting for them to give like a final allowing me to go over there? She laughed. She's like, "No, you're 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 done. You basically put in your two weeks over there yeah. a week ago." I was like, "Okay, cool." As soon as I get off the phone with her at my desk, uh, the regional vice president walks up and says, "Hey, last week you wanted to talk to me." I was like, "I did exactly want to talk to you," and uh, so he's like, "Yeah." So I was like, "Well, I just had an interesting conversation." So, um, you know, you told me you're going to hold me back from transferring, and I, I didn't hit my numbers this month, and. But I just had an interesting conversation with the recruiter where she says that you guys already signed off all, all this over a month ago. Right. And he goes, well, he, he realized I called him on his bullshit. He's like, well, you know, we just didn't want you guys just to not produce anything. And I was like, I understand that. I knew that's what you're doing. But why would you have to lie to me right. about it? And I didn't have anything to lose at this point. I was like, you know, that you guys really. And I just kind of went off on him and, you know, got all that off, the, off my chest. And then then. You know, I left and I was like, goodbye, see you, mm -hmm. see you never. And uh, went and did that for a couple of years. Very stressful. Gained a lot of weight. Yeah. It was very stressful. Um, and then ended up leaving there uh, because that's a number of reasons. But it just basically was between a down. Uh, <laughs> oddly enough, Trump gets elected. Mortgage rates go up. And just the financial world takes a little bit of a tumble. And they no longer want to put up with some of my bullshit that I was pulling at the time. <laughs> so, um, and then, yeah, we just parted ways. And life has been great since then. <laughs> I lost 50 pounds since then. I got to, you know, we're doing this awesome podcast. Yeah, Things man. are fucking rocking and rolling. So, you know. It's like that, a, you're on a rocket to uh, the moon. Yes. Yes. Um, exactly. So that's, I think... I know you got a little bit more to go, but I, for me, now you guys know 
where I came from, and here I am now. Not all of my jobs have been completely shitty. It comes all for full circle. But man. but there were pieces of my jobs that were complete, completely shitty. But by the way, I do have to say, before I hand it over to you, um, during that time in 2015, uh, I get a call from Psychopathic Records to be like, hey, let's kick up uh, Psychopathic Radio again. Yeah. And I did, I did that until we finally wrapped that up, what was it, last October of 2019? So... Um, you know, that relationship is still there. So I do want to make the caveat of these are not all shitty companies. Right. They were just shitty experiences, at least for me, shitty experiences at some sub, in some cases, some of these companies were subpar. Right. But in some cases, I still have good working relationships with them. And and the thing is, is about the shitty job title. Yeah. It's okay. No one wants to work. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, no one, like, we're, like you said, it's not necessarily shitty jobs. Yeah. It's just no one wants to work. Like, if it, anyone had their choice of working for a living or just living for a living, yeah. pe- people aren't going to work. Like, yeah. that's that's where we're getting at. Um, but we just wanted to say our experiences with the jobs that we've had because yep. we are forced because you know you got to make money, money somehow. You know, so um, I'll go back to where um, you know I had gotten laid off. I mean, mine's going to be really quick because I've gotten, I, you know, I got laid off because the company went under. Right. Uh, I worked for a couple companies after. I worked for a bank and I worked for a place that uh, did uh, background checks. Right. And I ended up leaving the IT um, world because, like you were saying, that you were miserable at this financial company. I was just miserable doing IT. It was the same time, too. Yeah, it, it was, was around it was the same literally, time. I got let go or separated whatever the technically if you if you were to ask the company they said separated because yeah. i wasn't fired right it was like a mutual thing of like neither of us are getting along right. let's go and then i think you were like maybe a month or so after yeah me. because yeah because actually you know we we were talking about it in that time and i was like man like i don't every day i would wake up and i was like i don't want to get out of bed yeah and I wasn't 30 years old yet. I was about to turn 30 when I was thinking about this. Yep. Um, I'm 33 now, so three three years ago. Yeah, it was, and, it's been a while. Um, I was like, man, I, I'm 29. I'm about to be 30. I shouldn't feel like this. Like, right. You know, I've been in this career field for, you know, eight years. I was like, you know, and, and the thing is, is I was somewhat depressed, too, because, um, you know, and you've been in different avenues in your career, but... For for me, um, when you go to school and you got a degree in this, it almost seems like a waste of time. Yeah. Um. So what I had to do is I I started reading a lot like of uh, different articles about uh, changing careers and um, job paths and and almost like the way of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And you know the main thing I took out of it, like I read a lot, and uh, you know, and a lot of it I read on the job because. My last two IT jobs, you know, I would work 40 hours or I'd be there for 40 hours, but I'd only work for like six. Right. And, you know, if you're listening to this, you'd probably be like, man, that's sweet. You're getting paid to not do anything. Well, it's not really sweet because you're just sitting there. You feel like you're making good money. Like I made and I'm sure you can attest to this, too, for a while. When you left your last IT job and when I was working in finance, Mm -hmm. I was making almost now I, I make the same amount as I did. Yeah. I was making I was a making, lot of money. I was making the most money I've ever made. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. Um, so, but it, to make that money and still feel like there's something missing, right? 
and you're just about to hit 30 like I was, yeah. or I was already 30 maybe, and you're like, wait a minute, is this the rest of my life right. now? Right, And like I said, you don't, you don't want to get out of bed. You know, you're in my situation where I'm only working, you know, six, seven hours a week, but, you know, putting in 40, mm-hmm. you know, I'm being there for 40, but only doing that. It's a thing of looking busy. Yeah. It's a thing of, you know, you can only go and talk to people for so long or right. you're going to get in trouble. Like you're that's the main thing. You're going to get in trouble for not doing anything, even though there's no work. Yeah. If that makes any sense. And the thing is, is like, it, it's a lot of just looking busy. So what I was doing is I was reading a lot of articles about, you know, the way I was feeling about the job, about my career, about personal things. Um, and the main thing I took out of it was you can't look at things that you've done as a waste of time. You got to look at as that you achieve those things. Like you, you had a goal, you achieved it, you accomplished that. But it's time to move on. That's the difference between being, you know, depressed on something and being uh, like feeling fulfilled about it. Yeah. Well, it was it was almost like a um, like I know I was just kind of like miserable all the time. Yeah. It was just this. It was this. uh, I was just always in a bad mood, pissed off. I was overweight, too, and unhealthy. And, you know, it, it just it it. I mean, relationships like yeah. with girls like weren't were working out because I was just like I was like a dick to be around. I didn't yes. like like people didn't want to be around me and or yep. not necessarily not be around me, but like you know I could tell you know like if I was dating a girl like I'm like you know I feel like shit at work. I come home. I'm like I don't want to deal with shit. Yeah. Like you know just leave me alone type thing. And so I was like you said I was make, we were making pretty damn good money. Um, and that was the most money I ever made Dude, at that point. This household between the three of us that were living here at one point were probably bringing in uh, almost two hundred thousand a year combined. Yeah. It was this was like a two hundred thousand a year fucking yeah, it wa- yeah. house household. Yeah, because I was <laughs> yeah I was making damn near seventy. Yeah, you were making in the sixties. I was, and uh, then the other one toward the end, I was it was up to like it was it would have been over seventy if I would have finished the year. Yeah, and then yeah. um the other guy was probably making between sixty and seventy. Yeah. So yeah, about two two hundred thousand a year coming in the house, and. Um, I mean, that's a good point. And, and like I said, it was the most money I ever made, you know, personally. And I had gotten written up because of my attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, seems like a common thread. Yeah. But um, I also had an incompetent manager. Yeah. Um, she did not have an IT. She didn't even have an IT degree, which that is what it is. Like, you know, if you don't have a, de- a degree, but you're capable of doing the job, that's yeah. one thing. Like if you just naturally have the skills or, or learn on your own, because I don't think a degree is everything, but for the fact that she didn't, like I knew more than her, right? And like I was basically a bitch, like it, it just isn't set right with me. So I had gotten written up because somewhat of my attitude and some shit that she told me to do that was like absolutely ridiculous. That I was like, I'm not gonna do this. Like so I got written up for it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, when I got written up for it, I. Put in my mind, I was like, all right, I'm going to line up the next three paychecks. I'm giving my two-week notice. So that's what I did with no plan. And that was the scariest thing. And, like, you know, you mentioned earlier, like, you know, I'm living on my own now. Like, I have bills to pay. There's nobody going to be paying this for us. And our third roommate would have never let that fly. Right, 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 right. 
So, um, you know, I had to kind of lie to him and say I got laid off, but yeah. um, I ended up quitting. And um, I had previously, I mean, this was probably a year and a half before, I had just, like, I need a new hobby, right? Right. So I was like, man, like, I've always wanted to do something with music, but, you know, I can't rap. I can't fucking play an instrument. I've never done that. So I was like, all right, let me uh, let me buy some DJ equipment mm-hmm. and just fuck around with it. So actually, I bought, you know, a mixer. Uh, by mixer, I mean, like, turntable. Yeah. A couple speakers, you know, put it together, put with my laptop, got the software, um, got an external hard drive to put a bunch of music on because I already owned a bunch of music. And then I was friends with a couple DJs that hooked me up with some of their music. And um, within like two weeks of me getting the um, getting the equipment, I my softball team is sponsored by a certain bar. And just by talking to the manager, they're like, yeah, we're looking for a new DJ on Thursday nights. Right. And I was like, shit you know i i just bought this equipment and he he, i was cool with him and he was like look he's like i will let you um you know trial and error here you can you can fucking burn out you know you can do whatever like you know basically you can just learn on the fly here right i'm like fucking sweet dude so i started djing there thursday nights and and this place isn't you know popular place for young kids and you sure. know, we never really got too much traction. I mean, we got a little bit. We had one of the local radio stations to come uh, for a period, and we started getting some traction, and then they canceled it for some reason. But um, with being burnt out from IT, when I quit that job, I figured I would do the DJ thing. So, I, um, you know, I, I taught myself how to use the equipment. Um, I've always kind of had a little bit of a knack of – you know, being able to play music that people enjoy, yeah, um, and try to read a room. Like I'm pretty, pretty good at that. My mic skills, I had to kind of improve a little bit, right? Because right, right. uh, <clears throat> being a little, you know, nervous or whatever in front of people, sure. Um, but I, I, I've never been, um, I've always been comfortable talking in front of a uh, crowd. But like w- when you're doing that with music, like the spotlight is on you, and if you fuck up, like. You know, no one no one pays attention to the DJ unless the music stops. So it's like, right? You know, but um, so I ended up doing that. I ran into a guy, um, met him through like Craigslist that runs his own DJ uh, company. Started doing weddings, um, and being single and doing weddings is fucking great, though. Yeah, I mean, you get the girls that are the bridesmaids. You just get random girls coming up to you. It's it's fucking awesome. Right. Um, and it's a party, dude. Like you get, you get oh, your right. fucking, and you're controlling the entire room. So it's like you're the man for that fucking six hours, you know. Besides mm-hmm. the fucking couple getting married, right, right. You right. know, so you get a lot of attention um, from the opposite sex, which is sweet. Sometimes the same sex, but you know, <laughs> I'm not into that. But um, I ended up doing one more IT job, just part time, couple days a week, as an as pretty much a consultant. For a company, a small company that my my one of my friends worked at, and they basically brought me in because their IT guy they were sick of him. He always came in late, mm-hmm. you know. He just didn't do shit. Well, the problem was is this guy had the system or the the network so locked down as far as he knew everything, mm-hmm. and no one knew anything else. Like I told you before, my manager 
at the hospital job, like he wanted to teach you ninety percent and hold on to ten. This oh, guy yeah. wanted to show you maybe one or two percent and yep, yep, job yep. security, you know. Oh, and yeah. like and especially when I came in, he felt completely threatened. Right. So he didn't show me anything. Like I was supposed to train with him and all this stuff and you know, they they asked me, you know, what would you change about certain things? So I gave him a list and they showed the list to the IT guy and he goes, you know, none of this is possible, which is bullshit. And they didn't realize that he had access to the network from his house. Like oh, wow. they, they he's like got his fingers, you know, in every fucking hole that you can possibly think of. Right. Well, the job ended up turning since I kept telling my manager and the and the owner, I go, well, he's not showing me anything. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what you want me to do. I worked there for four, four or five months, three days a week, four hours a day. You know, like I said, super part time was just basically to put some cash in my pocket. Right. I turned into the guy that would come in at 10 o'clock. I would watch their they they what they did was they installed security systems and monitored grow houses and liquor stores okay for the most part so i would come in check that all their monitors were up for their liquor stores and grow houses like make sure i could see the cameras right made sure all them were up that took about a half hour i would stretch it into an hour um after that it was like 11 we'd start discussing what we wanted for lunch <laughs> So then I turned into a consultant for lunch and the second coupon guy. Oh, nice. So if we went to, say, Burger King and we needed two coupons, I would be the second guy to order. <laughs> <laughs> then we would eat lunch. So that would be an hour. Okay. And then my last hour, because, you know, I mean, I worked four hours, so it was like, you know, I can't, some of these overlap, you know. And right, right, right. My last hour, we would just bullshit until I left. <laughs> and we i did this for the first month i they tried to actually have me do something yeah the next like three or four it was basically a threat to just the it guy to be like he's here yeah. you know you better fucking and <laughs> then it got to a point where they did some layoffs so like i was like the first one to get, or first or second to get laid off sure but yeah. um that was the wrap of my it career and like i said i always keep it in my back pocket just in case what i'm doing right now doesn't work out but uh, there was a period where I was working like three or four part-time jobs. I was working there. I was working. I was doing the DJ thing. I was doing. Um, I was bartending two days a week, and um, I did. I did some uh, aerial photography with a drone. Right. You know, here and there projects. But um, you know, like I said, this whole thing about shitty jobs. You know, some of them were shitty, but you know, a lot of the experiences aren't shitty. Oh the, yeah. And, and the stories aren't shitty, but, you know, if I had the choice of working and not working, if I had a choice of fucking being able to retire tomorrow, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would never work again, well, you know? It, it, taught, it taught a lot. Um, it, for me, the, the big things that I learned were, number one, show the fuck up. Yeah. Get off your ass. I talked to a lot of people over the years about, like, getting... I mean, I got we got a friend. He was a similar thing. He needed to restart his career at, like, 29, 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ran because he, he had some legality troubles, yeah. and he wanted to restart his career. And he and I talked to him for a while, and he would go literally door to door to the companies he wanted to try to work for, yep. and just kept doing that. And and now he's doing great. Yeah, he's making he shit. I mean, 
he, he works in a cash business and makes just as much, if not more, than I do. Right. Right now, and and I've there was a there's a thing like when I worked for the financial company, uh, or the lending company, like there was a list of little like isms that they would have. There was a bunch of them. I don't remember all of them. They would hammer it in your head. But one of them was, um, and these always stuck out stuck out to me was what you focus on, you find. It was a big one. Yeah. And it is. I've always wanted a job that I could just, you know, kind of put my test my skills a bit, um, and but I have complete freedom to start and stop whenever I want yeah. within reason. I, I understand, um, and that's what I have now, and it pays me. I make just as much now, I think, as when I left uh, the the financial company that I was with. Um, another one that they they taught me was another little ism that they had was numbers and money follow, they never lead. Right. So if you put those two thoughts together, there's more of these. Yeah, yeah. But those are the two that always stood out to me, and I was like, if you f- what you what if you focus on what you need, you're going to find it, and the money will come afterwards if right. you put the work in and show up uh, on a regular basis. And over time, that's what's happened. And it's not just happened to me, it's happened to you almost at the same time yeah. at this point. Where and things- like you said, misery likes company, so it's yeah. like we are both in the same kind of situation. Yeah. And and I remember um I remember when I left when I left the the uh lending company I was with um one of the reasons why they couldn't get rid of me cuz I had a, I was getting a bad attitude. Yeah. I was calling off all the time even though I had like months and months of PTO uh, available to me. Right. Uh they just didn't like that. Um and but the thing is is they couldn't I did my job well right like my clients loved me yeah even though they didn't like the tone in my voice the, my my leadership didn't like the tone in my voice they didn't like the way i talked to some people but they would always give me five star reviews which always ended up as an a, a, additional percentage kick to my my bonus checks every right. month and they i remember they would have people sit with me to like monitor my calls and stuff and i was like yeah but watch when that mortgage is done yeah watch when that mortgage is done and see what they rate me as and I always got there was one they pulled me in the office to listen to and to really talk to me about, and I was like, "Yeah, but what did he rate? What was his comments?" He was like, "Well, uh, yeah, he gave you five stars. He said you were phenomenal." And it was like, "Okay, so what are we talking about? Right. You just don't like the way I'm doing it, but it's working, right?" You know, and that was, and that's when I knew, even though I was in a miserable state back then, I knew that I was in the right, and I knew that if I just kept moving forward in whatever direction I wanted to. I would figure out in time mm-hmm. by showing up to mentally, at least if I'm not have a, having a place to show up, showing up mentally to check in on like, where am I at? Where am I going? And I will get there. Right. And, you know, it did took, took me a little time to, sh- to shed the misery. I remember I, I went within the first month after I left that company, I went off to Europe for two weeks. Yeah. And I look back at that, and I felt so bad because I was with a bunch of relatives, and I'm sure that they look back and be like, man, he was a miserable fuck. Right. Even though they couldn't really understand the English I was speaking. <laughs> but it, but once once I shed that and really was able to envision what I wanted to do, a lot of this stuff is starting to slowly, very slowly, yeah. happen. Well, the thing is, too, is like, um, well, both of us, you know, switch careers or Kind of, you know, yeah. and um, or at least uh, business types yeah. or whatever. And the thing is, is, you know, you can't like I said, you can't look at things as a waste of time. 
No. You know, you got to th- think of things as like I achieved that I was I was able to do this. Yep. Um because your mindset is the main thing to get you through anything like this. Mm-hmm. And um I had a really good point and um I, you know, lost track of it, but um as far as starting over, like you said it earlier in your um internships it's about networking like i i left my it career basically with probably two months rent and two months worth of paying bills in my bank account and you know scared shitless of what i'm gonna do but i was able to network myself with the right people to put me in a right situation to be able to get through those months until i got to the job that i'm at now Mm -hmm. which i'm now i'm making more than I was in my IT career, and you know I don't regret one move that I did. No. Yeah. You know maybe I would have did it a little different, but um, you know We're, sometimes you got to take that just leap and be cr- you know like this isn't for me or this you know. What's crazy about it is that I mean we've talked about even the beginning of starting this podcast of like during the Corona virus season and a lot of people are out of work and everything. We ended up in places that have good job security. Yeah that pay well, and it's almost like, at least for me, I go in there, I took this job I have now as on a whim of like, wow, I don't know, what, same thing I took when I was with the mor- the mortgage company, where right. it's like, I don't know where this is going to go, but it pays me for the time being, and it's a, it's a you know, small company, and we'll see, yeah. where it, we'll see where it goes, and over time, again, showing up, doing right. the work. Um, you got me a side job in there. Yeah, I mean, know? it's, it's, a, it's, it, it just you get linked up with the right people by getting outside your bubble, trying new things. Having a positive attitude is huge. Yes, that is massive. There, oh, that is like you think of the new yeah. day, man. Positivity, <laughs> dude. The power of positivity. It's fucking true. Like if if you're walking around like a miserable fuck, no one's gonna be wanting to be around you. Yeah. But if you stay positive and you you just treat like it's gonna sound stupid, but if you treat people. You know, the golden rule is if you wanted to be treated or if you give at least just show people respect, you know, most of the time people are willing to help you. Yep. But if you're walking around with a frown on your face and just being like, fuck this, fuck that, it's it's very difficult to, to succeed. Yep. And especially like if you're trying something new or, you know, even this, like me and you go back and forth about ideas of the podcast. We, you know, we have, um, you know, similar ones and then we... we you know, not argue, but we have, you know, different views but, on some yeah. shit. But, you know, as long as we can uh, compromise and shit, like, we got something good going on. Whatever so. helps the overall vision. And that's like, and I was just thinking about this today um, as far as this podcast and, and, and uh, other, th- you know, the Twitch streams that I'm doing and, and everything. It's, um, you know, if I have, a, if I can get a solid vision of what it is in my head, right? All I, then. We're good. At least, or I feel I'm good yeah. as far as moving forward. Uh, and all I got to do is keep showing up, keep working right. at it, and eventually it will become the thing that's up here. Right. And it may take some time, but, and I, I guess, I guess this is, this is one of these very special episodes. I mean, this, this whole series is really just a, of the, of the, the you know, this trilogy is a big lesson to those to, to kind of like, to follow your dreams. Yeah. But it all, if you treat every shitty job that you have or shitty experience at a job as this is going to make me better for the next thing. And I mean, this is, I, I'm sure if we grab Tremel in here. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, he, he would, would be, he, he would say the same thing. Because this is uh you know, I was going to say this too is I always wanted to go to a job and when I left, I always wanted them to have to rewrite the job description based on the job that I did. Yep. Because I wanted to always go above and beyond and you know, sometimes it didn't work out that way and mm-hmm. sometimes you know, my attitude or my stubbornness or whatever got in the way. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I feel like I've done that. And, you know, now I am doing something that I enjoy doing. Um, again, if I had the choice of not working, I wouldn't work. But, you know, hopefully doing uh, this podcast will turn into something and, you know, just keep positive about everything that all the projects that we're doing in life and all this, you know, hopefully everything works out. Um, and even if it doesn't, it's, you know, a hobby and yeah. entertaining. But so, it, well, yeah, something to do. It's, it's, it's something fun to do. And, and you never know, again, if I, if I never, if, if, I, if I were to just be pissed off years ago um, from any of the jobs that I have current relationships with now, it may not have helped me in other areas right. either. And it just... And it's never it's too always, late to start over. It's No, it's not. If you have something... You're going to put in work. Right. You're going to eat shit, and you have to understand it. You're going to have to eat... Sh- I mean, I remember when you were going through it, I kind of yep. would harp on it and be like, yeah, you, you know what? I know it's going to suck, but you got to you eat this shit long enough. I mean, within reason, right. obviously. Within reason. But you're going to... If you can just take it and keep showing up and say, fuck you, I'm going to still be here... That that says a lot, right? And it gets you a lot in life. So, you know, I guess, uh, I guess that's the that's the overall message. Yeah, we're man. Trying to I guess we're guys going with. back to 1985. You know, right now. So, um, you know, if you know, Back to the Future reference, <laughs> the third one they go to 1885 or whatever. They're going back to 19. 19- Come on, man. They, yeah. Over well, because they, well, they fix the past for the future. Well, I know that's what yeah. we're doing. We're going back to 1985 right now. We're in the past. We're oh, going, oh, we're going oh back to it. We're I got confused. Going back, God damn it. This is the whole <laughs> trilogy thing, man. Yes. All right, I got you. Anyway, um, stay tuned. We got um, Sam coming in tomorrow. Uh, talk a little bit of wrestling conspiracies. Uh, we got the sitcom draft coming up in a couple weeks. We got, um, hopefully, Nasty Nate comes in. Uh, we still have to have him on the podcast. Yes. Um, hopefully, we'll have Moose in the future. T the Monster is always welcome back. Uh, Tim Black is going to be back soon. Um, and I, I don't know if we have anything else that I have to plug. Uh, to, of course, there's my Twitch stream. It's uh, yeah, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 10.30 Eastern Standard um, Time. You know, um, check out uh, Shaggy and the Creep. Yeah, they. Yeah, well, maybe we might be doing some more collaborations in the future. We'll see. We'll see how things uh, turn, um, turn out. Turn out. Yeah, yes, T the Monster has um, a video for t- his single Tighten Up coming out, and yep. his album Electus is coming out. Check out those when they drop. We'll probably let you know more details on the dates. And I think that's it. I think we're out yep. for this trilogy. So, you know, from above and beyond or whatever fucking... To uh, infinity. To infinity and, and beyond. beyond. All right. And if we, you know, get another series of jobs, maybe we'll do a, a Star Wars second trilogy. <laughs> yeah. 